Nate, this is Derek McCaw, the editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting on Wednesday, June 11th, 2014 from the Brett Cave. Uh, we, of course, uh, that's my fabulous man in Los Angeles. I'm Dave Costa. And across from me, podcast producer and physically the host of this podcast today. I'm physical Rick Brett Snyder. Mm. All right. And apparently we have a very special guest, and that's why I'm just rushing through everything. Because that's we right. have a limited amount of time. Nate. Who are you bringing in? This is like, what's my line? We'll see. <laughs> what's up, Nate? <laughs> you thought you there he is. Who, who is hey, it? Rick. Who is it? Hey, Richard. Yes. Who is it? Tell John. everyone who you are. Mr. Guest, please sign in. It's John Lehman. How you doing? John. John. <laughs> Nate didn't tell us. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. We didn't. We didn't tell uh, you you were a mystery for us either. We didn't get enough oh, sample no, of your voice that. to process who it was. Now it, now it sounds perfectly clear. Well, there we go. Fantastic. We've got John Lehman here. Uh, what an honor. What a treat to uh, talk about many things. But Nate promised he'd open up the conversation. So well, we okay. can recover from the shock. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> go, Nate, go. Don't We've get, got go. the mighty Lehman I know. in person via Skype machine. Fantastic. John, you've got a lot of exciting stuff going on, some of which you told me about at WonderCon. Yeah, well, you know, that we got Jew is rolling ahead. Uh, I've quit Batman. My last issue came out today. And, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of Chew stuff going on. we got games, shoes, stuff, you know, comics, uh, cartoon. A line of jerky? Not yet. Okay. That's we coming. Chew jerky. Chew jerky. We'd buy it. Okay. <laughs> chog chog jerky? I would eat that. <laughs> that, okay. that, na- yeah. that name just works. We have stuffed chogs coming. I don't know how edible that'll be. Mm. Okay. Will that be in time for Comic-Con? No. In fact, uh, today today was mostly spent putting out a fire to determine if we'll get Poyo out in time. Ah, okay. Damn. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, we're racing the clock anyways, and um, adding to the mix is the fact that Rob is uh, about to have a baby. So uh, he himself. All right. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's a medical miracle. <laughs> well, frankly, uh, this is a momentous go- podcast. With what goes on in Chew, it's possible. I don't I don't know, you know, <laughs> anything is. All right. So So we're racing the clock and assuming everything goes perfectly, we're going to have, you know, warrior chicken pollo and a, you know, a really awesome, you know, San Diego variant cover which we do, you know, one a year. Yes. But, you know, how often do things go perfectly when uh, you know, there's a baby delivery uh, in the cards? Uh, 
my past history says none, never. <laughs> so it's just. And I've told Rob, you know, if it comes down to it, yeah, you know, we'll lose some money and it'll kind of suck. But at the end of the day, you know, getting a comic book out on time isn't as important as your child's birth. So if it comes down to killing yourself or not killing yourself for the book, I, I think people will understand. We got a great excuse. So true. That is uh, very forward thinking of you. Yes. So, so so true nate take note <laughs> yes noted yes so with the, the last uh, of your batman run could you have, do you have enough distance to make some kind of summative statement about your time there i uh, you know it was uh it was what i wanted it to be and i'm pretty happy with it uh it's it's kind of sad though because this uh i i you know of course every every creator says they don't do this but they're scouring online at the at the reviews mm-hmm. and i loved batman eternal 10 it was my it was my kind of my favorite one and a really good high night note to go go out on and the reviews have just been kind of like lukewarm which you know what are you gonna do yeah well everybody's got an opinion there that, that's, that's true for too. sure especially on the internet but the- or on podcasts <laughs> hey all right hey we, we've been kind <laughs> to you uh <laughs> But, you know, I, I went in not trying to shake the world. You know, I, I feel like Scott Snyder historically is going to be the Batman guy right now. And, you know, I didn't I didn't want to compete with that. I just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of tell solid Batman stories and, and uh, kind of write the story that I would want to read, mm-hmm. which, you know, sometimes DC has a, a higher death count than I would like. So, you know, I, I tried to show them, you know, this is how a comic book can be done. Well, and a good compliment to this era in Batman. You know, it's definitely one of the stronger stronger concepts. I don't want to say books. I mean, all of the Bat books uh, strong, stronger out of the new 52. And so, yes, you you know, I'll, I'll agree. Probably Scott Snyder is going to be the one people, uh, the main guy like Frank Miller was in the 80s. But you're going to be a very strong part of that. Of, of that yeah, history. I mean, I, I'm just glad that, you know, it didn't suck. And, and, you know, I, I think if you have something that you're you're happy with and proud of, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. And I always said that if I wanted to play God, I've got my own book to do that. So, you know, why come into into Batman and try to turn it on its ear when you already have someone doing that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the re- uh, reasons you had stated to step down was to was to really see chew to the finish line. So how is that going? Well, I'm three issues ahead, which, you know, at the end, you know, Batman, the, the, the thing was they were they were dazzling me with shiny objects. They're like, oh, do you want to write a Catwoman? Do you want to write a, a clay face with a 3D cover? Do you want to write an annual? Do you want to eat like, this month, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And and then it was getting to the point where, like, Rob's saying, hey, I'm done with the script. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm done with going to be done with this issue on Friday. Where's the next script? And I was having to scramble. And... You know that that's kind of no way to write the book that you want right. to be your definitive thing for. You know, I, I some chew issues take me weeks, and uh, I didn't really like being under the gun. So basically, I was late on an issue, and I fired myself from Batman as a result. Well, good good for you for being uh, having control of your over of yourself for that. That's that's great. So, how about the animated project? You at WonderCon? Uh, I think the Sunday of WonderCon is when the the picture tweeted out and. And we found out that Felicia Day uh, was working on it. And, and uh, so how is the animated project going? Well, I mean, all these Hollywood things go slow until they don't. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's exactly what's happening. The Hollywood guy was calling. And, 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 and the other thing is 
you instinctively don't want to believe any of this is true uh, because you're you're dealing with Hollywood guys. But this guy we're dealing with now, Jeff Krellitz, is um, you know when you you scratch beneath the uh, kind of good looking Hollywood guy surface, he's a nerd, and and that's awesome. You know he he reads the book and he's really into it and he's into comics and fandom and uh, you know at least part of him is doing it for fun. So you know he said he was going to buy Heavy Metal magazine. And he did, you know, he and some other people. And mm-hmm. then he said he was going to get Felicia Day and Steve Yoon. And, you know, I still didn't believe it until he's like, yeah, come to the studio in Burbank tomorrow. We're recording. And he made it happen. That's nice that you have a true Hollywood ending then. Uh, Dreams <laughs> or beginning. Come or true. beginning. Let's call it a beginning. Right. Because I mean, yeah, so, so now he's, he, he calls every once in a while and throws new names out for, for more casting. And, it, and if, if we get the person that he says that, that we've got for Mason Savoy, it, it will put the Chew cartoon in a whole different level. I mean, the, the, it's, the, you know, Steven Yeun and Felicia Day are awesome, but they're kind of nerd bait. You know, we know who mm-hmm. they are, they are yeah, but, right. you know, your, your parents may not. Whereas, you know, the, the person they're talking about uh, for, for Mason Savoy, you know, your grandma has seen movies. I mean, this person is legitimately huge and, and worldwide. And are we allowed to throw out names for this? Or? Robert, I, I Robert Redford. I can't say a word because uh, I, I can't. That just wouldn't know, be fair. We'll do it after he's gone. Deal, yeah, so. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll play that game later. That's it, and that's fair enough. Uh, so uh, when, <laughs> on the on the tide of all the success and, try, and, and getting Chew in its, as you say, last lap, will you take like a, a victory lap? Will you retire uh, to, oh, a, yeah, to yeah. a Caribbean yeah, yeah, island? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if if I can retire, uh, or or real like we, Rob and I had a funny conversation because all he wants to do is work, and he said to me one one day that when he finishes Chew, he's going to take a month vacation, and I'm like Rob, I'm not going to talk to you for a year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your your idea of a vacation and my idea of vacation are are, are very different. Well, and and I also think there there will be some merit to, you know, I. I just from our kind of sales, because sales are drifting down. Because now that the ends are end, ends in sight, uh, people are like, "Well, you know, I can I can wait six months for the trade," and mm-hmm. I don't want to pop back on. Hey, Chew ended this month. This is what's going on next month. I actually kind of want people to miss us. You know, assuming they do miss us. Yeah. Uh, and, and then so we come back. It it feels a little bigger. I mean, that maybe that's just an excuse to be lazy, but I'm okay with that. Well, and, and the cartoon could, you know, pop a lot of mainstream oh, yeah. interest back oh, in. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not banking on the cartoon. The the cartoon's all gravy, and whatever happens is great. But you know, the right. because I don't want to get my heart broken, and because I'm in control of the comic, that's what I'm concentrating on. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing is, we're always about six six to nine months uh, our foreign releases after the end of you. Mm-hmm. So we could c- totally line up almost a world tour, which is a, a fancy way of saying vacation. Paid <laughs> for, and you know, because we do really well in France, Italy, and Germany, and we've mm-hmm. got editions in Mexico and Spain, and we've just signed deals for Turkish, Portuguese, and wow. Polish. So are you? So, at the, I mean, are you at the level we, now that you can you can? contact conventions and and events and say if you'll fly me in i'll talk to your conference yeah well you know i i was sitting in a sort of a dud convention last year and and i had turned down london and Mm -hmm. for this because i had already you know 
previously told them. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to just do um, – I'm just going to try to do international shows. But I didn't know how. So I reached out to this comic book creator who's always going to shows and asked her how she does it. And she said, I just let him know. And so I looked at all the shows I wanted to go to. And, you know, I, I don't need first class. I don't need green M&Ms. I, I basically need a flight, a roof, and internet so I can, you know, Skype with my wife. Mm-hmm. So since then, I've gone to Mexico City. Uh, I've gone to London. I went to New Delhi, India. And in the fall, I'm going to Australia, New Zealand. Wow. And that's and, all on their dime. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, awesome. again, I rupee. don't have, you know, sometimes you pay for your own meal. And and in the States, you know, you go and you sell books, but you don't really want to lug books. So you don't really go, at least, you know, a writer goes because, you know, an artist can make money anywhere with a pen and paper. Yeah. But I just go for the life experience, you know. I got to, I got sure. to you know, see the Taj Mahal. You know, yeah. I got to walk on Mayan pyramids. Uh, and that's uh, you know that's a pretty cool perk. That's that's great. You've just raised the stakes for me. Um, so uh, what's uh, what's exciting you in the world of Lego right now? I haven't seen you post oh. in a long time. For that. Oh, this is this is horrible. Well, first of all, I've been banned from it since uh, I, I haven't bought anything since Christmas because I still have like maybe six or eight boxes, and we're talking like seventy dollars sets that I haven't built. From Christmas 2012. Eventually, you end up building things out of the boxes. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I'm told to organize my Legos or or don't buy any. So, oh. the, the only ones I've been buying have been kind of secretly that <laughs> you'll notice are showing up on my bookshelf. But I was. I able believe to buy, your roommate will not listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, I was able to buy the Ghostbusters set with, with permission. And um, oh man, I, I could get in trouble uh, from this from from various corporate overseers, but I've discovered there's a whole line of Chinese bootlegs. Uh, I went to PhoenixCon this weekend and found a, a, a gold Lego Iron Man, and they're like, oh yeah, that, that's from a foreign set. And I'm like, wow, you know, sold. And then I, I showed it to some other you know dealer there, and he's like, no, that's not a foreign set, that's a foreign ripoff. <laughs> Told me how there's these companies that... that, that build these sets that are almost identical to lego i mean marvel Mm -hmm. and dc would and should sue but you could find really cool characters on ebay for super cheap you know they're they're not official and they're uh you know they're totally bootleg and illegal but holy crap they're cheap and they're awesome and i totally (laughs) like you know fill my holes in my collection how many things do we love that are cheap awesome and and illegal well would it be like the high point of your career if like they somebody bootlegged like a chew lego set Oh yeah, uh, well, you know, you know, that, I, I'll justify it this way because when they, if Lego makes a Lego thing, I will buy that set or you know a Red Hulk or you know whatever yeah. that Lego doesn't have. But in the meantime, until they don't, here's an option. So yeah, I spent about forty dollars yesterday on Chinese you know bootleg <laughs> heroes. We can neither confirm nor deny the truth of this for the, anyone listening in from the corporate overlords. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So, well, uh, we knew you were pressed for time. So, John, thank you. I, I got about ten more minutes. You oh, got good. ten minutes? Oh, yeah. I, I got to pick up my kid at four, which means I got to leave at ten to four. Okay, Excellent. then then I might uh, I might have you weigh in on something. You know, there's been sort of a a larger uh, news story for us uh, for this week. Uh, was I don't know if you've seen like uh, Chuck Dixon uh, oh, made a splash yeah, this yeah, week yeah. about saying that. Uh, 
comics have been ruined. I don't know if that's actually a quote or if that's an exaggeration by the press that uh, comics have been ruined by liberal creators. And I don't really know how how you identify yourself. And uh, you know, we know we we tend to be a little less conservative here. But I've always enjoyed Chuck Dixon's work. So I'm just kind of, if I understand it, is that he felt that the uh, disbanding of the Comics Code Authority had kind of ruined uh, comics because they because it was taken away from being for the I guess the the younger audience and uh, and it disapproved of every time that a that a mainstream comic talked about AIDS or uh, talked about it had grown too dark and violent um, and then Frank Miller was I guess asked at Phoenix Comic Con uh, who he no uh, Frank Miller wasn't at Phoenix Comic-Con. oh no okay well I, I I picked up an article where he Maybe it was maybe I don't, there have been so many cons in the last few weeks that somebody asked him what character he still wanted to do, and he was he was pushing to do Captain America, and I thought a, a Frank Miller Captain America in 1980 might have really been cool to me, but a 2014 uh, Frank Miller Captain America might have scared the crap out of me. But um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen. Is Marvel going to let him do it? But, but what do you think about that? I mean, you know, it's kind of that's to me is a topic that is interesting. That I think could go out, you know, as a mainstream conversation without being um, well, too see, inflammatory. I don't, I don't necessarily even think of it as as political. I mean, yeah, the, the, Dixon's argument is ridiculous because you know the Comics Code Authority would be like, you know, you can't have, you know, the the woman's shirt has to be buttoned this much, and you know that that's you know all these like crazy rules. But I, I so you know the actual argument of the Comics Code Authority is, you know, crazy and living in the 50s, which is what most conservatives want to do anyways. Yeah. But but I do see the point, like, I've long held the belief that DC tries to be dark for the sake of dark. And, you know, Marvel Marvel has a lot more fun. But I, I you know, I hate the body count. I can't, I hate that, you know, I can't pull a Superman book off, or I mean a Batman book off the stands and show it to my kid. Uh, or take him to you know a, basically a DC related movie. Well, yeah, um, yeah. And, and and for those listening who maybe not aware of of some of uh, uh, John's past here is, I mean, you you wrote Army of Darkness. You are no stranger to horror and uh, you know violence. No, uh, but I I try to. But in its my place, stuff. I mean, look at Chew. I mean, Chew is extremely profane. It's about a cannibal. It's utterly violent. But I wouldn't show it to my son. I know better. You know. Sure. But and yet we got voted like a library association, you know, in 2012 or so, and voted us as one of the top books for teens. Age so, appropriate. Uh, but but, but, uh, yeah. but I would argue that even certain books, like you, like the the thing that always gets back to me is it is it was it secret identi- identity that or, or, or what, identity what was it crisis. where Dibney got raped? Uh, was, identity, identity crisis. crisis. You are a number. You're the number. You're one of the top two comic book companies. There are, and you're you're doing it. it. It would be one thing if it was an Elseworlds or something, you know, removed. Yeah. But this is your tentpole event that, that that reverberates across your universe about a rape of a character. You know, how is that even remotely going to appeal to? Well, then, and, and her murder. I mean, yeah, you oh, talk about yeah, the course, women and women refrigerator. That that was how it, that's how that miniseries began, uh, and then you you the body at least one major character died each issue, and it just kept. I enjoyed darker. it. You know, I enjoyed it at its time uh, because I do like Brad Brad Meltzer's writing. But I oh, see what you're saying. He's you know? a great writer, but but at, but they basically handed him the keys to the Cadillac because he's a best selling writer. But but 
somebody should have said this is not appropriate for a you know a universe and i do feel like there's there's a, a larger conversation that uh that that that, that D- marvel gets more than dc that you know there there's got to be some age appropriate appropriateness to to get your next generation in well now, uh, chu doesn't chu doesn't appeal to kids i'm not trying to appeal to kids but it definitely you know uh uh, you know, appeals to teenagers. It's you know, it's got an ick factor, but it, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's the kind of ick that teenagers like. Well, and you yeah. and and you, it actually rolls into one of the things is that uh, speaking of Marvel getting it is that Rocket Raccoon, the first issue with Scotty Young as the artist, yes. has yes. topped three hundred thousand orders ahead of time. And, well, and and you and you could even say Harley Quinn. I mean, that was the precursor to that Harley Quinn's a little you know. Uh, violent for my taste with her psychoticness but oh, yeah. <laughs> at this you know on it on the surface it's a you know it's a fun comic and uh boy i think the world could use more of that yeah yeah okay <laughs> the starship's calling I, I know are we okay are, are you being beamed out oh yeah, yeah that was just an email uh more stuff about boya <laughs> okay, or, or is Dan DiDio saying, "Please stop saying we're dark"? I mean, did you find internally working for them? And if you can say, and I understand if you can't, but did, were there were you having those discussions with editorial at DC? Like, you know, no, it, it was well. First of all, I worked with Mike Martz, and and he, you know, he had to convince me to come on. We'd worked together before at Marvel. We're friends, and you know, I I told him w- without writing in the pitch, you know, I hate what DC has done in the past with some of this stuff. You know, I I definitely. Once the script started being delivered, they they seemed friendlier and 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 lighter weight, and you know the stakes weren't you know I'm not going to murder a busload of kids. And it was funny because they didn't necessarily embrace it or retreat from it. But if you look at the new Wrath Batman hardcover, they've got this IGN quote that says how it's like kind of all ages, but but has all the intensity of other Batman. So they. You know, they learned to go for it. And there there was one point when I was doing a villain's book with a different editor. And she wrote me now. She's like, these are villain's books. So, you know, you can just do the nastiest, you know, that, you know, these are bad guys and just have them doing awful things. And I wrote back. I'm like, that's not what I do. And that's that's not what I want to do. And and if that's what you're looking for, you know, we got enough time. You can find someone else. And then, you know, they eased back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think there's at least a corner there who kind of thinks the really adult stuff and, you know, the the mayhem is what people want. And so, you know, let's give it to them. But I, uh, you know, without crusading, I, I just didn't do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I got a text message from one of our other contributors, uh, Troy Benson. I, I, I don't remember if you've encountered Troy, but. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got a he's got a four year old son who asked him to re- read him a Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman story. So he reads on comics. He says he could not come up with a crossover of those three that was not uh, an, an end of the world Elseworlds in which they sat around talking about how they had ruined yeah. the world. And well, I thought, you know, Jim yeah. McLaughlin had this great essay. Uh, you know, he's the Heroes Initiative guy. Yeah, yeah. Worked for, for, for Wizard Work. Where he talked about you know, this is going in the movies. I know movies aren't comics, but they are. A no, that's okay. Yeah, they are. How, how the movie universe, how how the Marvel universe is fun. You know, you got dock yep. workers, you know, moving their cranes to help Spidey, and cops all pitching in and stuff like that. And then you got the DC universe, which is so ugly. You would let your father die, you know, rather than use your <laughs> lightning super speed to save his life in case someone you know could discover your secret. I mean, it's so. 
cynical about humanity. It's just such an awful place. Especially and, when it, it just clicks into place that that it later is revealed that everybody in Smallville knew it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I think on some level the the respective comic book universes are like that. And people, you know, a lot of people have made the comment, you know, Warner Brothers can't get Warner can't get Wonder Woman right, and yet you've got you know a D list talking raccoon who's now dominating the sales chart and you know is going to have toys and like stuff that like everyone's going to know who rocket raccoon is by september right and you know uh you know meanwhile i don't know that the dark stuff doesn't work yeah but guys i do have to go that 10 minutes have have flown by and, well uh, thank you so much for your time with excellent additional 10 minutes yes thank you <laughs> while, thank while, you while i talk about uh, what's appropriate for kids i'm abandoning mine <laughs> <laughs> the life of an artist. All right. <laughs> Thank Take you, John. Care, you guys. Right. Thank you, sir. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. Well, we will see him at Comic Con. John Lehman. Wow. Excellent. Nice. Nice get, Nate. And thank we, well, thank you. Yes, we even talked about two of our uh, my news stories. So you know something that hadn't occurred to me, but it, but it's just kind of news. We're going to see what's happening. Is that DC is setting up a mystery two month event, which is actually reasonable. In that, in that they're going to have to move their offices from the East Coast to the West Coast. Ah, so yeah. apparently they're setting up uh, 40 books that will be published while they're in transition. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So it, I don't know if it means they're going to halt the regular to say this is a two-month off. Uh, so, you know, Speaking of time runs out with Marvel, this time ran out for DC and they've got to change change coasts. But uh, we don't know who the creators are. We don't know, you know, is there is the whole industry going to step in uh, to <laughs> to help DC stay alive long enough to see that damn Justice League movie? It's all happen. reprints for two months. Uh, that would be entertaining. Uh, uh, depends on the depends on the reprint. No, yeah. Now you sound like yeah, my son. The problem is they would reprint stuff from the new Fifty Two <laughs> the previous month. Right? <laughs> Crap. You're right. I wasn't thinking it through. I was thinking classic, which does remind you know I've been I, I I've been. Really enjoying, you know, picking up trade paperbacks. We've talked about how Image is doing this right thing about like, uh, you know, ten bucks for five or six issues. Yeah, in a first in their first volumes. Yeah, in their first volumes, which I think actually Chew was one of the first that they did that with. Where it was the first one was was very inexpensive. The first ones, you know, lures you in. But not only that, are they are making those digital versions cheap too? Well, that's good. And they've they've had they've been humble humble bundles a couple of times now. If with well, that's great. But I'm going to complain today because I want to I. You know, I've been lured, lulled into really basically like going, oh, I'll pick up a trade paperback each week. Um, <laughs> and um, so Marvel had Night of the Living Deadpool out today, five-issue miniseries. And I thought, okay, you know, I, I, again, I'm used to being treated nicely by uh, by Image uh, and saying, if you were saying it was three bucks for the book, it was actually probably a three ninety nine, But it was still... Seventeen dollars for the trade paperback, yeah. and then I was thinking, you know, I bought the Marvel Essential of Nova because Nova's getting popular, and my son really likes the character on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. So this is the original Richard Rider, right. the original. Well, I saw that there are there, there are you know, I I don't know what I bought the trade the the paperback the the Essential which is black and white, right? And my son says I don't like to read black and white. So then I saw that they have actually started reprinting all the classic Novas in color. Oh, really? Okay. Okay, now thinking about, it, they're barely paying royalties to the right. artists, the creators right. at that time because that was right. the seventies. Do you want to know uh, your first volume, which is probably about eight issues max? Suggest your retail. I'm going to go twenty-seven dollars. Yep, is that right? Yeah, that's wow. what I saw, and I, I'm just like, I, I'm sorry, but 
yeah. Marvel, I mean, this is the classic stuff, and, and, and it's just what, and, and even so, this is what we were just talking about. And on top is, of those, those books were under a buck each originally. They were 25 cents, yeah, 35 cents. I, I wasn't cents. quite sure where, but I knew they hadn't broken the dollar either. I know, I know. I was started, Nova came out when 7-Elevens still carried comics yeah, regularly, okay. uh, and I had just discovered comic shops, because the first... Um, the first time I went to a comic book store was a, was a Spider-Man Nova crossover, like number 12 So it's of eight Nova. issues, eight issues, $2 original price. Yeah, and <laughs> so. now $27. Now, I, somebody with it's a, a keener sense of economics can probably tell me what the inflationary, maybe that's true. Well, it's on better paper now, but then again, we know that paper doesn't mean anything because they're still charging a lot for the e-books, even though paper's yeah. not right, involved. Right, right. So I'm just, I'm just really upset about that, whereas there are publishers trying to make reading affordable image and yeah i get there you go image um you know and even i don't mind dark horse hasn't seemed to be uh, outrageous oni idw has been pricey but you know oni tries to keep it down yeah and and i do understand with a with a company a smaller company like oni or idw smaller print runs they're not yeah they're they're gonna do smaller print runs it's gonna be pricier i get that you know even as much as it agonized me, you know, we when for the little consultation I was on the trade paperback of Sparks, it's like, well, twenty bucks for what you're going to be able to run, that's that's reasonable knowing what the expense is, and that's yep. your only book. But when you're Marvel, you're this huge powerhouse, and now you have Disney and Hyperion behind you. That's just I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm finding it a little outrageous right now. Yeah, and, I, and I'll probably calm down, and then when I'll have when I'm feeling a little more flush, I'll still go back and buy those dang novas so that my son will read them. But it's still you know just kind of frustrating to me. But um, I I also wanted to say I've after listening to a few of our podcasts back to back and talking about events coming up with Marvel while you were on the road on the road uh, down to an educational conference. Um, although I do have uh, I will have an interview and possibly some more guests for the podcast to talk about cool. with it um, is I had this theory about time runs uh, about the Fantastic Four. We were talking about how the Fantastic Four seems to be persona non grata and we'll come back later. I'm noticing, you know, what else they're missing from that we just haven't really thought about and Nate probably wouldn't be paying as much attention as you and I, but Disney Infinity has no X-Men or Fantastic Four. And, this is true. And I they're, did and, notice that, actually. And they're going deep in their obscure characters. You know, I mean, Iron Fist got announced. We'll get, we'll come back to it. Uh, they but, are in the Marvel dice game. Okay. Both okay. both Fantastic Four and all the X-Men. Um, but you're right. Uh, the uh, But the dice Infinity. game's obscure, and that's, you know, no offense to it, but yeah. I mean, the gaming community, that gamer community is smaller and than Disney And who knows Infinity. when the contracts were written. Yeah. So it's just kind of, it's, it's just interesting. Uh, but here, here's a way I realized if all the rumors are true, there's a way that Marvel Editorial could possibly be playing us and at the end of it all say, I bet to do that. And that is, if time runs out, okay, so we know that the Avengers books are going to go forward eight months and then everybody else is going to catch up. It's kind of like, like what happened with Secret War. Right. You know, see, uh, for those new to it, when Secret Wars in the 80s, what happened was in one month, uh, everybody that was in the the miniseries Secret Wars gathered in Central Park. There was this structure that had appeared. They all went in, and then at the end of the of their respective issues, they came out with whatever changes had happened. And then the miniseries took a year to tell how those changes had happened. Like Spider Man came out in his the black, black costume, costume, which then someone later went, "Hey, that could make a great villain." Um, and then we're stuck with Venom. Uh, but uh, 
But here's what I thought. If they're going forward eight months in time, and if the rumor of a reboot is true, and you take Fantastic Four off the table in particular, right? and if you're going to reboot, well, what was truly the beginning of the Marvel Universe? That rocket ship. Fantastic Four. Yeah. A chance actually to truly reboot the Marvel Universe by the death and rebirth of the Fantastic Four. Oh, now are we talking theory, Derek. Time could run out and they could be the new Marvel Universe begins yeah. again with the Fantastic Four instead of the way even Ultimate Universe did it was Avengers, Spider-Man, and X-Men. I think that's fine. My late. problem with that kind of stuff is that occasionally when a company kills off the character and rebuilt, re, re, rebirths them, we end up with like the plot line to the current Fantastic Four movie with people we don't recognize in those powered and I understand, sets. I, and I understand that concern. Yeah. I, I do, but I'm saying it's not just killing off them. I think it's just like, to me, again, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, when I realized about five years after the fact in Crisis on Infinite Earths, Marv Wolfman's original intention, when you realized that at the end of issue 11 on Crisis on Infinite Earths, Everyone actually did die. And the people that woke up at the beginning of issue number 12... Were different. Were different. Yeah. But they had memories similar to... Right. But then, but, Fragmented. But that actually we had seen the death of a universe. And that's what Time Runs Out could be. Yeah. And a chance... I'm saying... God, no. Do not make a grim and gritty comic book version of it. And, I, and I'm sure they won't because right. that's one of the... I think that's one of the reasons... I don't think anybody at Marvel is happy about what the Mark Miller... If Mark Miller really has any power over Fox, I don't even think that. I think they've given it to that guy who... Simon Kinberg, who rewrote Days of Future Past. Um, but I don't think anybody's happy with that idea of a grim and gritty reboot of the Fantastic Four. Because, again, I'd like to point out the name of the character of the group is the Fantastic Four, not, not the, the grim and gritty. Although, granted, it is, ben sad, Grimm. It, is, it is Ben Grimm. It is Ben Grimm. Right. So, but it's not Reed Gritty and Sue Gritty and, <laughs> and well, Johnny Bitter. So, uh, so, Johnny Dark. I'll tell you what, what would make me <laughs> happy. Wasn't he a porn film director? Uh, Johnny Dark. Okay. So uh, if, they, if they did... Yeah, actually, the take on it in the first movie wasn't bad. You know, instead of instead of a a no, I'll still space- stand up. Out of all those movies, all those movies, the only superhero movies that I have no problem showing little children, yeah, are those two Fantastic Four movies. I, I I don't need to have Doctor Doom's origin tied into the Fantastic Four's origin. No, but I, I, I'd much rather like having having be a, a character out of Reed's past, and you could have mystery as to who well, he is. Well, since Ben Grimm's there, I, well, what you've just described is still it is kind of tied into their origin. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the idea that you still have the characters. Now the questions questions remain: Are Reed and Sue married already? Are we going to go through the courtship again? Is is um, is Johnny still a? Is Johnny now back to being a teenager instead instead of a twenty something um, babe hound? And and, and is, pop star apparently and pop, pop star now. When did he become yeah, a pop star? I know. <laughs> I was reading the James Robinson going, and that's why I'm thinking that James Robinson's run is an alternate universe. Yeah, I think it is because they're in the red. There have been changes to Johnny that I don't. 
I don't know when that would have happened. Well, and you've got the perfect explanation for it because they've yes. already exposed that it's 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 uh, the bubble that uh, that uh, right right right. That's the, why I think that's the son. What de- What's his name? Uh, 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 Franklin. Franklin. And that's right. what we're de- and that I think that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. And then I think at the end of the James Robinson, you can just go take it off the table. And but times run, time runs out can reboot the can reboot all the essential elements again, with a couple of exceptions. As it started in the '90s, or it started in right, t- right, in th- I mean, or I just mean, started now, with the exception of I think you have to have Captain America have served in World War. Oh II, no, no, that wouldn't. And he's change. not not like an Iraq uh, veteran. That, no, 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 no. That wouldn't change because yeah. everything about Captain America there that's it's true. The, that's the best. That's generation. what he, he was. The greatest, greatest generation. generation. Yeah, and and I think that is crucial. And it doesn't matter how long he was on ice. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm yeah, I, I am absolutely fine with that. That's what I, what I'm saying is you can is yeah, I think that's what needs to be changed. That'd be fine. Breath because of fresh the, air. Because reset. there are there are elements to the, even the Fantastic Four's origin where when you look at it now, but we accepted these things because you were reading Tom Swift uh, was still popular in the '50s and Stan, or you know, and Stan Lee's the influences on Stan Lee in 1961. As I can't remember who wrote it. I think even John Byrne had made some reference to it, you know, and of course he's occasionally politically incorrect, right? Um, that when you realize that, uh, you know, Sue, if she was much younger than Reed, that relationship, like, they probably met when she was 15 or 16. Sure. And he was already a grad student, so we're talking 27, 28. But you have tons of stories like that where yeah. they meet. And then well, no, he, no, no, I know. Then but when I'm she saying, finally becomes... But I'm saying when they've gone they've gone forward in time... I, What's a Humphrey Bogart movie I, uh, like that? Sabrina. Sabrina, yeah. I don't begrudge the story. I'm saying that right now our society sort of looks at that askance. And, you know, what's next? Marrying dogs? Uh, you know, so uh, I'm sorry. You know, I don't think our society does. I think certain loud mouths in our society do, okay. but then other people realize that. I know, but we get so many. You I know, know. I, they're so loud. They are so loud. It's like it's. How are we not schizophrenic? You know, I just watched. <laughs> what do you vi- mean we're not? <laughs> well, maybe no. I just watched a video of Anderson Cooper trying to simulate that mental illness. You know, because of all the oh, the fabulous shootings in the world we're in, um, and that simulation. Just like even watching him take it was like. Okay, yeah. you know, and if you're right, if you were, if that was your entire world, so you know, and that's how the world is to me right now. It's getting loud, and I know I don't want to hear these whispers anymore. But uh, let's play the fun part of the day. What's in the bag? Give us a theme. What's in the bag? Back What's to the classic. The we went back to the classic. Oh, no, he, he did. He, oh, he mixed he did it both. up. Oh, he did it both. Oh, oh, I did both. Well, I got my, I got one of my figures. By the way, oh, there so, you go. Yes, I watched the. Uh, there's a video on the YouTube's a parody of, of Morgan seven. Freeman's point of view. Oh, the, uh, uh, the unboxing, unboxing the unboxing, yeah. the unboxing. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls out pieces of styrofoam. Yes. yes. And, wow. Yes. Well. So, oh, look, a manual. Um, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. let's start with you, Nate. Number one in my bag today, which is actually the only comic I had time to read, is The Walking Dead number one twenty-eight. Of course. After all this time, she should be more prepared. She? Uh-oh. Yeah. She. No spoilers. Uh, okay, okay. I'll keep it spoiler-free. Okay. I believe we discussed last last issue was a jump forward in time from yeah. the end of All Out War. Um, so, yeah, they're trying to uh, still pick up the pieces. All right. And okay. the mystery... 
deepens. Alrighty, cool, cool. All right, Rick. So the uh, first one on my list is uh, Wraith, an issue after the end of the series. Oh, Joe Hill. Okay, uh, the Joe Hill uh, tie-in to Nosferatu. Yes, um, and this is uh, kind of it's a prose, uh, illustrated prose oh. uh, take on the story, and it looks like it's it's covering the origin again of the of the uh, driver and uh, what what's all about in Christmas Land, and yeah, it's um, it's probably a nice little coda to the. Uh, the whole series i haven't read it yet uh i will be reading this later this evening when i can sit down all right yeah well i know I, and I but it's not. the same artist as who was in who did the uh the uh the series the eight issue run yeah uh, or know. the six issue run this well, is actually mark seven and, and no offense uh, yeah and they, no worries about <laughs> i think we're all on the boat of have we read anything this week uh today <laughs> probably not we, we ran into the short story i've read everything else i'm calling uh, really yeah now the dis well one man of leisure uh the disadvantage of doing a midday podcast. Uh, although, you know, when school year's in, then the evening doesn't work any better for me either. Um, so the, the first thing I'll pull out is uh, Figment, uh, number oh. one, uh, from the Disney Kingdoms line. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. So this would be um, the first issue telling the story of the character that is very beloved by people on the East Coast who won't go to Disney World more than Disneyland because Disneyland does has never really had Figment. No. So... Um, but uh, this is interesting. I do love the artwork inside. Um, by let's see, uh, let's see by uh, Philippe Andrade or Andrade. I think he's Portuguese, so I'll say that Andrade. Uh, Jim Zub is the writer, and I just I love that Marvel's doing this of taking these things that really are like beloved rides and giving them background. So last last month they finished up. Uh, uh, Seekers of the Weird, yeah. um, which is coming out with a, a very, I guess, great hardback, which I'm probably going to have to buy because it has all the covers, which is by the with the artwork by the Imagineers that are doing the, alternate, the, the covers. alternate covers yeah. and uh, and essays and so forth, and so a lot of bonus material that really wasn't there after the first issue of of that. So you know this this one again, love it, and then it makes me wonder like, okay, now we started this. What will be the next Disney? Now King this is, this looks like a period piece book. It says nineteenth century. Okay, so London, the, oh sorry, nineteen ten, London, England. 1910. Are we getting any sense that they they might be building a Disney universe? See, I don't know because not having read this read this yet. Yeah. Um, Seekers of the Weird could be. I don't know how coherent and cohesive it didn't. They didn't make any references to any other concepts. Uh-huh. It really did feel to me like, and I, I think you had dropped it early on. Right? I, I bought the first issue, yeah. and it just wasn't that. For me. It did feel to me like a late sixties, early seventies. One of those, if they'd had the budget for it, a right. live action Disney movie of that time period, kids at the focus, but a, a cool adventure that maybe you're right didn't necessarily add up for adults. But it, it touched on the Disney concepts. You know, I th- saw things like that, the Treasure of Matacumbe, mm-hmm. uh, Mystery of Dracula's Castle, and you'd wait for that on The Wonderful World of Disney. And I would have I, I loved seeing that. Um, you know, or like Halloween Town later on the Disney Channel. I don't think the Disney Channel now is doing stuff of that of this kind of qual- that kind of quality. But um, So these books are all going to be limited run series? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're so, basically they're they're basically building the graphic novel and issue at a yeah, time. Yeah, Dis- yeah. Di- I I don't think that Disney has completely 
gotten a grasp on what they want to do. Like uh-huh. I, I haven't tracked this down yet, but I heard on the uh, Inside the Magic podcast they released a Space Mountain graphic novel, not through Marvel. I have no idea who the publisher is. Huh. I have not seen the book. So I guess I probably should remember, now that I bring it up with you, that I should remember to look on Amazon and see. But then, to me, it doesn't make sense. You own Marvel. Your chance of people seeing this the most would be do it through Marvel. But the same thing happened with Tron. You know, that they released Tron through their own publisher, and then Marvel got to do a later two-issue miniseries that was a reprint of the graphic novel that Disney Hyperion had released. So... You know, it's it's still back to schizophrenic, if I may use that word. They're they're just they're not sure which direction they're going with comics. Yeah, it's published by the Disney Book Group. Okay, oh. so which I guess is no longer Hyperion, or there's another imprint. I get, I guess that you know they're fooling Amazon into carrying them <laughs> uh, because Hyperion begins with an H, like Hachette. Oh. Okay, so uh, yes, Nate, your next book. My next book <coughs> will be Hulk number. Four. I have that too. I have that too. The continuing adventures of Bruce Banner shot in the back of the head. <laughs> wow, that would be quite a banner to go under Hulk. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see that as the subtitle on my copy. No, you must a, have gotten a variant. Must have variant, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking gun in the okay. corner. But still uh, Mark Wade? Yep. Still Mark Wade. Um, the cover- they announced that he's moving on. Yeah, I did see that. And was it Jerry Dugan taking over? I think so, yeah. I'm okay with that. I like Jerry Dugan. Yeah, no, that's a good choice. The cover Hulk looked a lot like a lot more like the Brian Hitch Hulk. Yeah. That he would draw. Yeah. Yeah. And is he I, I haven't read I'm 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 way behind. I still haven't read the finished up the Hulk from the previous series to get into this one. Yeah. Um which I'm assuming that they follow right through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a Straight continuation. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And it's still good. All righty. Good. Hopefully. I haven't read this issue. Hopefully it's still good. <laughs> well, well, you know. <laughs> All right. Next up for Rick. So the next thing I read is a book that's very, very special for me because I'm, I'm, I've am I'm been flashing as I've been reading this today. Well, don't flash. On There's a guy out front. <laughs> He's going to see that. He's... Um, they have an understanding, Derek. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> The front of the Brett Cave is receiving a uh, a new new construction that uh, that will hopefully we'll hide it, it even better. <laughs> that will hide it even more when I come in and out of the uh, uh, the Brett Cave yes, with through, uh, through the bushes with the, and the uh, vehicle. Yes, yes. Um, the Brett so I remember at, in my parents' house being at, at the side of the garage, not really wanting my parents to see that I'd spent good money on a comic book. Um, Really? Yeah. From th- this was this was a time and uh, and when the forever I'd bought. I was buying some books, but this one seemed really weird. The new, the new Kirby DC books seemed a little strange to me, and I was afraid about what my parents would think about them. Really, this was yeah. my mindset at the time. And the Forever People seemed very much so because it was, it was about these kind of cosmic hippies, and right, right. that was a time when hippies were a real thing. And my parents were very, very conservative. So we've got Infinity Man. And it's actually called Infinity Man and the Forever People. All the Forever People is about five times as big as infinity man is on the front cover and i have to say this is not the worst book dan didio's ever done it's uh it's uh written by dan and uh glowing endorsement it it is Uh, (laughs) and of course because it's because it's a kirby title you got keith giffen doing the art and he's contributing um story with dan 
And uh, I've never, I don't think I've seen Scott Kolbish's name before. Scott Kolbish? Yeah, Kolbish. He's, been, he's been inking uh, Giffen for years. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and they give Kirby credit. And in fact, they give Kirby credit inside of it by naming a mechanism. I'm not going to say the spoiler for this, uh, as the Kirby. Um, there's some change-ups in the co- composition of the Forever People. Um, some sex change flipping on one of the characters. And... We've got the mother box, but it's a mother box that the new gods apparently don't really know everything about. So, mm-hmm. um, I've better uh, this. This was the book I was reading when you showed up this afternoon. So I've read about halfway through, and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Well, yeah, and I don't think even the changes. It's just like honestly, uh, why I guess I probably have been less upset about the things that Didio's done with the fourth world. Is that for the mainstream, like when he played around with OMAC, well, OMAC really only had four or five issues. Um, And so his rethinking was, okay, that's not exactly a deathless classic in the DC. But he was fairly true to it in the kind of episodic nature. I do do think that too, and so I was fine with that. And so the forever people of the new gods, they're probably the least well-known. Exactly. So you can mess around with that. Like you couldn't, you can't do much to Orion. You can't do much to Darkseid. You just just can't. Light Ray, um, but the Forever People, sure, you know, and it's also Infinity Man and the Forever right. People. So, right. Yes. Okay. I, I knew. I'll put that one behind mine. Um, <laughs> so next time, I, I I can't believe this. It's like, oh my, my three choices then are actually Marvel books. How did this happen? I think you've just books been going that way. I have been. I, I've gone totally Marvel. Um, I'm going to pull out, though I haven't read it yet, with the original Sin, All New Invaders, number six, mostly because I really want to call out. I finished number five this morning, so I, I, I'm You're actually up to date on this book. Um, and to say, James Robinson's Invaders have been so fun and true to the characters as I want them to be, even without, uh, while still being steeped in current Marvel continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't quite understand. I don't know all the things that have gone on in the past with, with The Torch, with Jim Hammond. But um, that first five issues, though it will be a ridiculously overpriced trade paperback, will be a decent collection of a story, which has one heck of an amazing cliffhanger. I don't know if you've caught up on I haven't. Which is probably not picked up here. But again, I have no doubt that if Hickman's doing this uh, and time runs out, that everybody's working towards some huge apocalyptic thing. And, um, and so, I mean. I, Five end of the world plots all come together at once. Well, we know two worlds are going to collide, but if you read the end, read the I won't spoil it. The end of issue five implies there's one hell of a weapon coming uh-huh. um, that is just astounding. Um, and. and and I, I also got to. I've never read a story with the original Golden Age Vision before, and so mm. it's an interesting character that I don't know anything about. And uh, he showed up in the Scroll Cree War, didn't he? Cree Scroll War. Cree Scroll War. I know you keep saying it reverse. Nobody does. No, you're the only person in the world that's like saying Darkseed. You're the only person I've ever <laughs> encountered because, in fandom who does that. I think it's that. because I am. I'm always worried about screwing up the pronunciation of Scroll. <laughs> So I, I do that one first. So the Cree Scroll War. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's a title. You know, their PR department wasn't very good. It's uh, not like you can say Kid is Insane, uh, <laughs> Rick. It's called Citizen Kane. 
Well, the Oz that has a wizard. No, you just said it. You know what happened? You crossed <laughs> over. You're waiting for your gr- first waiting. grandchild, and that brain is starting to go. Where you're going to be that uh, guy that goes, "What's that show I like?" Uh, I won't use you know that the hand one gesture. about <laughs> you, you, you know the one about the good wife. What's that called? <laughs> uh, <you know? laughs> anyway, uh, as I was, I was saying, constantly is that it? Is that what it's called? Constantly, the vision did show up. <laughs> he was one of the characters Rick, Rick Jones brought from forward. his mind. No, yeah. I, I realize that the Kree yeah. Scroll War had him bring out all those characters that they were like they were implying were comic book characters and not really right. real constructs and then they later came back and said that so I just think Jade Robinson has been handling it really well and I, and I love his his portrayal of Namor um, which has got to be a really difficult character to handle you go like you know I, I, there's a there's a line it's not a spoiler it's like he's he at the beginning of the first issue he's been captured by the Kree and in this one as he's fighting he says you know I realize that my arrogance has gotten me into this situation. I will not apologize for my arrogance. I, I, I will not be arrogant enough to say that I will never be arrogant again. <laughs> but I'm sorry. And then he punches a Kree. I'm like, that's got to be what it is to be Namor going, I know I'm a jerk. But hey, I'm Namor. (laughs) You made him sound like Croach the Tracker, too. (laughs) Oh, well, good. High praise. High praise, indeed. Okay, so uh, next up, Nate, for your book. My final book will be New Avengers 19. Okay. Tell me why. Again, a book I have not read. We understand that. The caveat's there. But... The current storyline is that the New Avengers are faced with an incursion. Again, all of this leading into uh, the big out of time or whatever it's called story, back in time. Uh, back to time the runs out. Time runs out. Yes, that one. Uh, so these the time traveling has caused multiple universes to bump into each other, which causes the end of one or both universes. And in order to stop these, you have to basically beat the other guys up that come over from... Sure. So anyway, the Avengers are about to fight this group of heroes from another dimension. And that was the end of last issue. So this issue will hopefully be the fight. Or they'll talk about it. That's such a literalization of the conceit of Marvel where two heroes meet and they have to fight first. Well, I mean, if two planets are, I, I get it. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. But you, you, you kind of want to expect, you want to expect, to, if they're both sets of heroes, you want them to rise above right. it and work together or something. But first, but first, let's fight to the point where we get the begrudging respect for each other. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. It's a necessity. Yes. Uh, so my my last book, which is actually I picked up all three of the first three issues today. Okay, yes, yes. is uh, Real Heroes, uh, written and uh, oh, yeah, art by book. Brian Hitch. And man, I enjoyed the heck. I just sat down and read all three of them one after another. Um, first off, it was it was like that same breath of fresh air I had reading the first series of the Ultimates. Um, mm-hmm. And you have a lot of character parallels here because basically it's an Avengers style team with a lot of, uh, of course, gender switching. So the speed, uh, so the the bow bow woman you have, and the giantess, and then um, but you've got essentially it's Galaxy Quest because 
the actors who have just finished the second of their movies in a trilogy sound familiar mm-hmm. um, are all of a sudden under attack by a giant robot that turns out it's from another world dimension and they're popped through a door and now they're in that other dimension where the characters they were playing in the movie were actual heroes and they've been brought brought to that world to play them to make basically this kind of PSA offering um, to the villains who won about let's 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 turn out and work together and be peaceful and um, oddly enough it seems to work mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of stuff going on it's it's a nice well, twisty so little further, story it's also uh, it's also uh, three amigos. Yeah, it's three. I mean, let's go back there, and <laughs> yeah, I, uh, and in some ways, it's also the magni- you know a little bit of the magnificent seven. That could be it too. Yeah. yeah. I so, mean, but but as we were talking about beforehand, it's not it's not that the age of the trope basically right. it's the execution and Brian Hitch as a creator is top notch. And this the art in this is just beautiful, and uh, I just uh, I I'm looking forward to the rest of the issues. I imagine it's not it's going to be a a, a fixed run. I don't know that it's going to be. Oh no, I'm sure it is. A hitch, uh, you know. I find it good. That a hitch, though. It, 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 Jonathan Ross must must be pulling out his hair because it took forever for America's Got Powers. Who, when he was, as he put out, when he was paying Brian Hitch for uh, to to draw his book, and um, that's okay. I can I can like he's known as Wasi for that reason. Yeah. Um, but but Brian Hitch, uh, when it's his own book. Has been on time. <laughs> it's funny because when I saw, first saw this, I thought, "Is this tied into the America's Got Powers Powers, thing?" Yeah. And then the other thing I want to point out is in the lower left hand, right hand corner, is the Hitch Factory is uh, is stamped on there. Oh, Apparently, right. it's his imprint well, under image or his studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's got their little thing. So, okay, cool. My my last book again uh, is <laughs> I love how Marvel adds an S and creates a crossover title yes so to Original Sin Original Sins, Sins number one came out and why it's of importance is this is actually the first appearance of n- the new Deathlock yes because of course we've got this great character well I read an article on that today yes thank you on Fanboy Planet uh, this, this character who is gaining some popularity because of his appearance on a television show uh, Mike Peterson uh, becomes Deathlock on a- ABC's Marvel's Agents of Shield. So naturally, if you're going to reintroduce Deathlock to the Marvel Universe, you're going to make it Mike Peterson, right? Sure. No, Marvel's not doing that. So, um, but he is appearing. The new character is appearing here in Original Sins, and I can't. What his? Uh, but he looks more like Mike Peterson, doesn't he? Well, the one uh, picture I saw. No, no, no. You know, uh, Deathlock. The last few Deathlocks have been African Americans. Yeah. Um, I don't think the first one was. I think was. Luther Manning was. L- was Luther? Yeah. I, you know, the thing is that my experience when he was the zombie yeah. was his skin was just gray. Modeled. So I didn't know. But I think in flashbacks he was an African-American. Okay, that I don't remember. Yeah. Um, good. Um, you know, but um, so, I mean, that's it. Plus, as continuing Young Avengers and, strangely enough, the appearance of Lockjaw, which is always funny. So, uh, Gotta love Lockjaw. And I should mention that uh, flipping through this book, I realize is a pretty good representation of Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson. Yeah. So Agent Philip Coulson will be very uh, Who's important. Who's doing the art on that book? Uh, it's, it's three different stories. So the one there is Ramon Villalobos. Okay. Uh, the first story, the one that is Deathlock, is uh, Mike Perkins. 
because Mike Perkins is going to be the artist on the mainstream. So it's possible that what's going to happen in Original Sins is going to just kind of rotate through and introduce new concepts again uh-huh. by lulling us into buying a crossover instead of realizing, no, we're actually buying zero issues. And of, then they'll reset new, the whole universe and none of them uh, will happen. Okay, yeah, they do it to me again. And anybody else enjoying the bombshell covers? I mean, if we're going to just talk about that, uh, you know. I would have bought I that one if I'd seen, seen it. it. Yeah, DC. I didn't. I didn't. The the uh, the Supergirl one. I wasn't a big fan of, but no. I just told them at the store at Elusive that I said if they come in and no one else is speaking for them and it's a book I'm buying, sure. But I'm not going to buy the. I'm not two copies. Just right. go ahead and throw a bombshell in. I'd li- I'd like to enjoy the superheroes the way I'd like to think my grandfather would have. Right. Uh, bombshells as bombshells, and uh, you know, in the back of his liquor store. Yeah. Uh, and hoping that nobody you know arrested him for it. So, um, <laughs> that, you know, my, no, my grandfather was, he ran his liquor store and he did, he would have like the Red Fox party albums and stuff and the sheriff in the, okay. in the, in the kind of conservative county that he was in would occasionally shake him down for all that stuff. And, you know, do, do you, are you selling this, you know, underground material and yeah, Red Fox, Red Fox is the party albums were absolutely, they were underground wow. albums and he, that was kind of under the counter. If you knew you'd go into that liquor store and say, do you have you know, I heard you have the Red Fox. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. So interesting. Oh, how times have changed. Oh, I know. And when somehow you can stayed walk the into same. Any store in the mall and hear profane music because they don't care who's coming into shop. You know that part of things. I'm I'm, I'm going to agree with Layman. I still think that there should be places that are family safe, not family I friendly. Agree. Family safe. Yeah. And that's and that is frustrating to me. I, liked- I think it's nuts. We used to, I mean, I used to work in a mall, and we used to have a video that we played over and over and over again all day long, yeah. but it was specifically created so there wasn't, you know, questionable material on it. I yeah. mean, sometimes stuff got through, and it's like, wow, they let that on the video, but it's, it's yeah. like they don't even pay attention anymore. Yeah. Oh, and I, be- I was in, I was in a... Uh, sports shoe shop I can't remember which one it was in Oak Ridge and they were playing Point Break and there are nude scenes in Point Break they just had the movie playing they just had the movie playing up on the wall well if you're just tuning in well, that probably the, wasn't. Uh, that to, was not company approved. We we just we that. just oh, no probably now. I we, we've switched from being the fanboy planet podcast to the fan grumpy old man podcast all through. Oh no! And I nowadays mean, I, I wrote down I need to watch this movie. <laughs> that's a lot like my grandfather too. Great job. <laughs> yeah, a, oh, there's going to be some uh, point break. I thought that wrong movie was it. lame. I, I've never seen it. Um, so let's talk movies, shall we? Because today. Uh, here at the Fanboy Planet podcast, we're not just a planet. We are local to San Jose. No secret. We're very excited to say, even though Nate's down there in Southern California, I know he cares greatly that today the Century 21 Theater, uh, which Rick and I, and, well, the entire Brett Schneider clan and myself and a few other people that listen, uh, that went to see the last showing of Raiders of the Lost Ark there, uh, it has been declared an historic landmark, and it is going to be saved from demolition. 22, we're saying goodbye, but 21 is still alive. Yep. And uh, so, I mean, some of the possibilities, I mean, I'm seeing, I was just checking on Facebook while there was a brief interruption, and there has been some conversation that the developers are still going to do things around 21. But, of course, I mean, that seems to me an obvious thing. 
But uh, I, my friend Ted Coppolis, who used to be a, a film a working film critic for K Fox, and uh, has long been a, a force for entertainment in the in the in the valley, uh, has written to the IMAX Corporation and said, "We've got this perfect dome sitting here." And I would love that. I would love for the, for San Jose to have a real IMAX dome. Yes. Now the Tech the, that would be awesome. The Tech Museum has the Hackworth Dome, right. but it's a dome, and I know it's I'm a t- bubble. It's a bubble, and, and there's so, so very few places you can watch that uh, movies in their comfortable. Right, and the picture de- the distorts. picture distorts. I, yeah. I I saw Batman Begins there, yeah, not really realizing what would happen. And luckily, I'd already seen it, you know. And I was I just want to see what it's like on IMAX, and went, holy crap! I mean, their heads are like huge, just like they all look like the leader. Yeah, and so. <laughs> So, so it's worse. Oh, you saw Batman Begins there, right? Yeah, yeah. So you saw the aspect changes too. No, no, that was the Dark Knight had the aspect. Was it the Dark Knight did? Yeah. Okay. Which I saw the Dark Knight up at the at the Metreon, which is a, which, which is, is a a correct a, IMAX. Screen. Right. So San Francisco has the right IMAX screen. Right. And Dublin. Dublin. And I took yes, I took Luke to see uh, the second Hobbit movie there. And I would love for the South Bay to genuinely have for Century Twenty One to be turned into an actual IMAX dome the right way because there are IMAX screens. I say quote yeah. unquote. And I was doing that great for radio, uh, doing the finger finger air quotes. There are IMAX screens at almost every AMC now. But what they it are was is what they used to call IMAX digital. Right, and now they're just fooling people. Yeah, they, now, just, they drop that all together. Right, but it, they're they're larger screens. They are giving them, I guess, in a higher def. I really can't tell that. I've never been great at that part because my yeah. eyes just suck. Um, but I know it's, a, I, I know it's not the same. And I, because I, I've sat there and gone, yeah, this is impressive. But when you see, like, The Hobbit really was impressive, being in 3D and 48 FPS on IMAX, just like this is another world. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that would take it further is the Oculus Rift which we'll be talking about next week because <laughs> I've worn that and that is another world. Um, but let's keep on movies. We're very excited about that. Although with sadness, we note today that locally on live theater, San Jose Repertory has closed its doors, announced that they Aww. are bankrupt and what? it's gone. Yeah. So, and hoping that there's a retrenchment, but, you know, we've been at this 11th hour with them before. Uh, I know this isn't movies, it's live, but, but because uh, the San Jose Rep Theater is a big part of CineQuest, uh, you know, this is, this is a weird day. We've had a triumph and a loss, and yeah. we'll see what's, uh, what's going to happen there. But a lot of, there's going to be a lot of drama playing out uh, in, in the local art scene here in San Jose. And uh, I got a, I've got a few friends there that I'm, like, I'm very you know, concerned about and what's going on. And some great programs that they, they just announced they were one of seven um, companies. I don't know if it was statewide or if it was actually nationwide that had been chosen to do outreach work with prisons and taking theater into, the, in, into, into prisons hmm. with their Red Ladders uh, stage company, which is kind of a youth-oriented thing. So, um, you know, w- what the future of those programs, which I find as an educator – completely crucial you know it, it's a it's a big loss it's, yeah. a, it's a big loss to the valley so um and if you're listening to us in brazil maybe not so much for you guys but uh it is, which we have a couple i see that you know it's, it's one of we are truly global we do reach out to the planet whether it's michelle just traveling other places and listening <laughs> i i don't know no we have we've had regular fan mail from england england and we've had we've got a we've got a big yeah. Big contingency in Asia, and it's it's very it's very nice. I, it, it feels rewarding. Uh, it keeps me from getting too depressed about it. Uh, <laughs> so, speaking of being depressed, no, uh, not at all. That uh, you know, I think Ant Man has finally they threw all their cards up in the air, and it finally <laughs> came down in a way. Even though Michael Douglas said, "I'm very disappointed that Edgar Wright left 
Uh, I think he's remaining, and they've announced officially that their director will be Peyton Reed, who, oddly enough, because we were talking about it earlier, was originally attached way back when to the Fantastic Four, uh, to the original version of Fantastic Four that Fox released, um, which I would have loved to have seen his version because it was going to be set in the 60s since it was not beholden to any uh, larger cinematic universe and really talk, treat them as the Beatles. Now, my sadness with Peyton Reed directing this is that it's actually delaying him from directing a film that I really, really, really want to see made, which is The Fifth Beetle from uh, the Dark Horse graphic novel. Uh, yeah. that, uh, uh, and Peyton Reed also directed Down With Love, and I think he's absolutely the right person for that. He's got the light touch. If the script is right, I think Ant-Man could be maybe not as quirky and individualistic as Edgar Wright would have made it, but I think it would still have its own personality within the Marvel Universe. And if it's still staying with the light heist film, like, you know, I was seeing TCM just showed another, we were talking about um, Pedro O'Toole movies a few weeks ago, uh-huh. saying How to Steal a Million, this with, right. uh, with, with Audrey, Audrey Hepburn. Hepburn. Just this, you know, light, frothy, uh, you know, fun thing. So we could get a rom-com heist superhero movie. We could. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? Awesome. What a great date movie. Yes. And Adam McKay, who had been rumored to be directing, as he didn't have time, is actually doing a pass on the script. So you're getting, and I respect Adam. I know a lot of people go, well, he teamed up with Will, with Will Ferrell and maybe dumbed down on some things. You know, it's not everybody likes Will Ferrell. That's the way it is. Okay. But um, Adam McKay was one of the sharpest writers, honestly, to come out of Second City. Um, and one of the sharpest writers you know, carried uh, Saturday Night Live through some, through, through some pretty good times. So I, I think uh, this is going to be a, a, a great possibility. We'll just leave it at that, you know. But, boy, I still want to see that fifth Beatle movie made. And I hope, you know, they just roll through and then go right. Peyton Reed, go right on to fifth Beatle because that movie has to be made. Have you read that book yet? No, I haven't. Oh, my God, you got to read that. Okay. Um, I'll send you a PDF. Uh, <laughs> so um, another great rumor, which is just, so, so again, all fandoms. Ready? Uh, I'd like you to turn down your headsets because what's going to happen right now is that, our, is that uh, there are going to be listeners, female and male, who are about to squee. When the rumor is that Marvel is talking to play Doctor Strange, last week it was Jared Leto. Okay, so there were some people squeeing, but there was not a Jared Leto, Doctor Strange fandom crossover. But this is, this is hitting our wheelhouse of fanboys and fangirls everywhere. Benedict Cumberbatch as Stephen Strange. This is only a rumor at this point. But I could not think of a better way to seal Marvel's hold on the hearts and minds of fanboys everywhere, unless they cast um, David Tennant. Well, I think I think you you peg it when you say fangirls, probably more. But there, I mean, there's a really really strong fanboy. Uh, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to and be then, inclusive to everyone. There's a there's a different urge, I think, involved. No, I don't know. I think there are some. Fan- <laughs> I, I don't. How how awful of you? I think there are plenty of fanboys who would totally. It's the same urge. Okay, fine. It's a meeting of minds. Plenty, is what it is. but I think I think in general you divide it up into two different groups. Yeah. Um, okay, so maybe you don't. You don't. <laughs> maybe there's a there are different urges involved. I that just are not want. Specific. I just want to be open. I was thinking okay. about that today when I was putting together your cosplay photos and realizing like I used to do kind of like there be the women of cosplay and I thought, you know that even though even though that's totally clickbait. Yeah, it's like. That's wrong. Well, I already pointed out to you one of those one of those women of cosplay is not a woman. 
Yeah, but I haven't. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't posted that picture yet. I don't okay, think. I think you have. Or maybe, maybe not. No, I don't think I have yet. I did. We'll leave the mystery there. I've done two galleries. I think I can tell, but if not, great. Um, my point is, I'm not separating them out. It's no. just, it's just because cosplayers are cosplayers, regardless. There should be, yeah, you know, certain pulchritude for both, for both, for yeah. everyone to enjoy. Indeed. And the what are the or in the aces even too? You know, the, the people who identify themselves as asexual. I've been told now. You know, they call themselves They're aces. Aces. Oh, aces. And you know, so, so I you mean, say aces, and I think of the George R. R. Martin. Wild I know, cards. I know, I know. Well, that's the problem with being a fan. <laughs> They've got powers. We've got too many nerd references. Yes, I know. It's a, damn it. Got the Black Queen again. Um, and so uh, yeah, on there. Apparently, though, on the dark side of fandom, uh, rumor, rumor, still only rumor. Is that Fox would very is very quietly asking Brian Singer to please step away from the X Men because there's just too much controversy. Uh-huh. So that Apocalypse, even though Brian Singer and they said, well, our contract was signed a long time ago, it was a different time, you know. And and I was listening to I haven't caught up. You know, we we talked a bit ago about David S. Goyer's comments about She Hulk and so forth on the Script Notes podcast, and they talked about. And I know you shied away. You know, we. But I think we can talk about it seriously. Uh, on script notes, uh, Craig Mazin and John August talked about when the allegations first broke uh, about Brian Singer and his parties, and they confirmed some of the th- stories that I have heard over the years as well. Um, and uh, their point of view, and I, I've got to say this, is there are many truly sleazy people in Hollywood, and they do have power. And that if this is true... And it's possible, one, you don't want it to turn into a homo- homophobic witch hunt saying mm-hmm. saying that all gay men are like, and I'm sure there are plenty of people in this country who want to say that all gay men are like Brian Singer. Um, but on the flip side, they said, you know, everybody in Hollywood has a story about Brian Singer coming in with his posse of five young men and they sniff around the party for, for half an hour and they go off. And saying that, uh, you know, this is bad publicity and it hasn't gone away. And the law, he asked for a summary judgment and he's been rejected. So um, I can see absolutely Fox's point of view. As much as I enjoyed enjoy his work as an artist, these allegations have dogged his career since after pupil. And um, I completely understand why Fox would have to say, look, there's a real, very real possibility you could be going to jail in the middle of production. So if this is true and Fox has not confirmed, no, we're asking to, to, to step down, I can understand why. Yeah. So uh, although... You know, I mean, I mean, and there are char- there are directors who can step in and and do fantastic work with it. Bring Matthew Vaughn back. Don't bring Brett Ratner back. If you bring <laughs> Brett Ratner back, Fox, I will I will back Ike Perlmutter in any action he wants to take <laughs> against you. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I don't know what that would be. It sounds like it sounds like Ike Perlmutter's putting together a hit team, and I would be that guy. I'd be the. Uh, the nerd. I, that's all. It's just like the, the character that Giovanni Ribisi usually plays in those kinds of movies. Oh. At, at best, that's what I'd be. Only I'm the Donald Pleasance part. <laughs> okay, so wow. Let's way to self cast. <laughs> I'm being honest right now. I'm trying to lose the weight, but I got to admit it. I'm in the Donald Pleasance role right now. It's it's pretty bad. Um, fun stuff. We got fun stuff to talk about. We do because it's E3 and all kinds of casting news for television and games and all yeah. kinds of crap came out. So, so, so much. First of all, of course, uh, Sony gave their, I, I don't know what you want to say, keynote. Or it's not because they were just making, what do you call them? When they, Actually, I'd heard people strategizing about this because Mar, um, 
pardon me, Microsoft went first with the Xbox. Did they? Okay, so I read the articles out. They of were order. at like they were like at nine o'clock in the morning, okay. and then Sony finished the day. And people have said a lot of, several times that Sony will often have a multiple playlists depending on how good Microsoft did in the first part of the morning, and huh. depending on what they did. One of the emphasis that was really strong this year was very little VP talking, and it was just like. Demo after demo after demo after demo, after demo both for both of the big companies and for the well, ones really, in between. Isn't that what we want to see? That's exactly what we want to see, and they finally figured it out that nobody wants to see the guy who's usually in a suit now in in mom jeans and a, and an ill. I'm going to be honest about something because again, I I just came back from a conference that ties into Fanboy Planet, and that's how I got to go. But it was educational, and you have ruined almost every conference for me because I sit here going. For a moment, I thought maybe I should have asked Rick if he wanted to come, and I'm like, he'd have hated this because the pre- <laughs> no, I mean there were great presentations, but I think of it, but I look at it and go like, yeah, that slide could have been better. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that slide could have been better. You know, so I, <laughs> I'm like, this would have been too painful in some places, and I, I don't mean to walked up around the end and said, you know, next year. Guys, no, yeah. I, I I don't think it would have been appropriate. Here's my card, and I don't. You know what? Can we edit this part out? I don't mean to, because no. I don't want to besmirch these guys. Because what I attended, no, 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 seriously, Nate. Because what I attended was incredibly important. Just start start with what I attended was incredibly important. What I intended attended was incredibly important, um, but it wasn't E three. Although I did get to meet one of the guys in charge of Infinity. He presented at this oh, cool. I, immersive education conference and so i i put gabe in my card and said you've got e3 and unfortunately i can't come to e3 so let's talk next week and see what's going on he's doing a lot of disney interactive um and the new frozen version of candy crush saga which apparently is crushing candy crush saga because frozen crushes everything in its path and uh so okay so sony made their thing and they announced that uh they're gonna have exclusive programming to the PlayStation Network. I mean, I know they've been pushing movies for a while and some TV programming, things that have been... But the big one that ties in for us is, I mean, I think almost... They've had a couple things. They've had... um, They were exclusive originally with the... The manga network, and I can't remember the name of it. Oh, the one... um, Uh, Not Crunchyroll. Not Crunchyroll. No, um, it was... um, Because you reviewed it. I reviewed it. Um, Um, Yeah. Damn. But, but then that went broader. You can get that on PCs as well right. now. Right, but now they're bringing, and it just instead of building the suspense, because this is a TV adaptation of a comic book that's been we've been talking about since before the podcast existed. Mm-hmm. Powers is right. finally Bowie coming. Sue? What? Bowie Sue? No, that wasn't it. <laughs> Powers is coming to the PlayStation Network in December. So finally, the television adaptation, which FX had played with, uh, I think I think uh, AMC had been looking at, uh, NBC and Fox had looked at Power. I mean, this thing has been going on forever. It's finally going to happen. I have no idea. I haven't had a chance to research too deeply. It's finally going to happen, and it's going to show up on the PlayStation Network. Which now it's I amazing already- to me that it's taken them that long. That Sony has taken that long to come out with. Um, well, that's surprising because they do have Crackle. They've had some program. They've experimented yeah. with with a original programming on Crackle. My thing with Sony is, I think, because there's all these rumors that they want to dump their uh, movie studio. That they're not doing well with it. Is and I and I've seen this from my experience of having worked with a Japanese for a Japanese company. 
is that executives sometimes there's a distance between yeah because there is a cultural divide. Let's be honest about that. That that there really is. There are assumptions and bad assumptions made on both sides of the table, and that's that management in so in Japan doesn't really understand what the necessarily what an American audience necess- is going for. They've floundered around with Crackle. They've done this. And, they, of course, they've had some problems with network hits. I mean, when they did when they launched GC Universe Online, didn't, wasn't that one the first time? Like, the network crashed for four or five days, and you couldn't actually play it. Yeah. Um, and we knew that it happened with, when Infinity launched. That, you know, they launched and they, uh, and they immediately put out a patch that actually screwed the game up for four days. Yeah. So, um and I know that happens in software in general, but but it is they're not quite understanding. They have the right concept that if they have their own content, there are plenty of American monopolies that have made this work. Comcast, and uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Microsoft because they've done it too. Well, Microsoft's done it too. I mean, you know, this is if you've if you've seen John Oliver's rant from last week. Uh, uh, about net neutrality and, oh, yeah. he, and saying you couldn't be a better example of a monopoly if you were talking about it while wearing a, t- a metal t- t- top hat driving a tin car and you just won second place in a beauty, beauty contest, contest. <laughs> you know it's like um, so I, I am surprised because I know that you know Microsoft had had uh, the guild went there we were glad you know for the MSN network they did a Halo series and they did a Halo series and then you know the PlayStation like I said I downloaded movies through there yeah um, but I use my PlayStation and I don't mind I mean I have it so I'm going to get to I think I have it I'm going to have to probably pay another subscription fee I pay for, I'm paying for Hulu I'm paying for Netflix um, but again we're going to that model now if I could just get uh, my HBO Go worked out and if Showtime would do that I'd be happy with all those and then just all that's left is WWE Network I don't need that one sorry <laughs> um, but you know I, I mean I feel good about it but uh, about that but on the flip side and I was questioning you is like so one of the exclusives they announced too is to go to Disney Infinity 2.0 I've got to put together a comprehensive article about one, there was a fantastic video of launching the ultimate. Well, I think they're just calling it Spider Man, but it really is the right. ultimate Spider Man version because you have the young Nova, you have Iron Fist, uh, Venom. Venom, and I think Clancy Brown is the Green Goblin. It sounded an awful lot like and Clancy Nick Brown Fury. there. And Nick Fury, Brian Michael Bendis wrote the trailer, and we knew that he was right. He was scripting yeah. these play sets. So, I mean, it, it, it's it awesome. Fabulous. It, it, it was fantastic. So, I want to put that there. There's been this list released. Uh, you know, if you look at different places and like go on to Walmart and see what you can pre-order there, there are a lot of characters they haven't actually announced. One of which, Donald Duck. We're going to get a Donald Duck figure, which is awesome. But I want a Scrooge McDuck. They need to do a Ducktales playset. Yeah. They just tell maybe that'll be 3.0. Yeah, or maybe that'll still be 2.0. We don't know what what all is there. But the thing is now Sony's announced, and because of the choice of figure, it ticks me off. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me specifically. Um, if you buy the PS3 or PS4, and then even in their press release includes something about the PS TV, which is their attempt to do the Apple TV is right, coming too right, with the right. PS4. Everybody's right? doing that. Amazon's I understand why. Yeah, yeah, it, it, all this. Then you get an exclusive Hulk with the Avengers set. So yeah. they're going to hold on to Hulk before it's available anywhere else. It's going to be a delay. It's not going to be. I know. Ex- I know it's, it's going to be delayed. But and Sony was using the word "exclusive" quite liberally. They, their their use of, of exclusive. But that's, but that's standard. There's there's the new the new Bungie title, which I think I can't remember what it's called. It's like it's like a big one word, like a bovine or something. 
But um, Did you say bovine? Oblivion. Oh, okay. Bovine. Yeah, right. big cows. Um, That'd be awesome. A game of just big cows. Big cows. Milk them. Uh, <laughs> big cows. Milk them. Yeah, just ruined it. We just did the whole PR campaign in one sentence. Milk them. They have an exclusive on that title for four days. GameStop has been doing the same thing with Disney Infinity. For four days. I know, but I'm saying that's been standard. And especially, and and all it needs, all that means, all that has to mean is that for four days people, or the people gloss over that headline, panic, and buy it from what, you know, from whatever. They're counting on GameStop fooled me. Yeah. Has, <laughs> you know, I think Phineas and Ferb. That's what happened with Phineas and Ferb or the Agent uh, P set. Um, the GameStop had that set exclusively for a week. They had uh, uh, Jack uh, Skellington. Yeah, Jack Skellington exclusive, and they still were the only ones that had it with a special case. Yeah, but and they baited and, baited and switched it on on that too. I have since managed to calm down enough. I hope <laughs> so that two point won't kill me. But the thing is now, if you buy two point you get it on PS3 or PS4, right. you get the Hulk. If you buy it at Target, you can get the Hulk and Venom. If you buy the PS4 and... If you buy the PS3 or PS4 set at Target, you have the collector's kit set that comes with the exclusive Hulk. But at Target, you can exclusively get Venom. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, running But again, around. it's exclusive for a period of time. Cause I like, get it. I, if we're patient, I understand. And the thing is, right now you go into, <laughs> seriously, but I'm you go into Toys R Us right now, there's rack after rack of Mickeys. I, you don't think that's... Wizard be, Mickeys. <laughs> you don't think I've beaten myself up about that? No. Because, I, I, no, actually, I have to get that one because I the, the Wizard Mickey I have was from the D23, so it's right. silver starred. Ah, not that it makes a big ah, difference. It's, opposed to, it's blue starred yes. in, the, in the stores. Ooh, because that'll you know when when the society collapses, we'll be trading in infinity right. figures. I've exactly. got, got I've got the latinum. Uh, you know, so um, <laughs> I you know I I get that, but you know, and I've been grateful for something like man the series two discs on on Infinity One that Target had that book that you could yeah. just buy and have them all. So grateful I did that because oh, yeah. it saved me. You know, it's like, I finished up all my discs by just going to eBay. And I did too. The last one I needed, I bought from eBay. Yeah, so um, so that's fine. Uh, although and I only paid five bucks, so I don't care. Right? I it's I, I you know which was certainly cheaper than the five or six packs with my luck. Exactly. <laughs> and five or six packs. Oh yeah, Cinderella's carriage again. again yeah. So uh, we've lost Nate. Except he, except he's going to get excited because he's going to get a two point and then have to hide those figures from oh. his child. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> Hey, but there's but that's how you sneak the Hulk stat the second Hulk statue into the house. It's an action figure. It's a toy. And a, it's a and it's a piece of a game. So I mean, they, you know, so many exciting things came out with that. But it's just yes. Oh, geez. we need to talk about something that's related. I I I, I watched this last night on the. I have a uh, uh, Nintendo DS 3D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, so I was you, watching. You something about I was this, watching the watched. Nintendo announcements on the little handheld D3 and. They are coming out with something called Amiibo. Now their their little their little picture of you in the video game is called a Mii. Yes, for the Wii and the Wii too, with an II. And this is A M I I B O. And Amiibos are. Tell me if you heard this before. They're little plastic figures with circuitry in the base that you put on top of the Wii Two controller to register a character that shows up in the game. It, it, does the game have a land and a sky and maybe some giants 
and no, uh, and, no, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, and maybe it goes on forever. Some might say Infinite? infinitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, well, I'm f- but what would what would make Nintendo's version so much more awesome and different from everybody else's? Okay, I think you hinted at this, so I'm going to see see if I'm right. It can play any game. No, well. That's not necessarily true. There was a there was an, a VP, and I watched that over and over again. And he hinted that there was some kind of connection between what they were doing and the Infinity and Skylanders stuff. And he mentioned Infinity and Skylanders by name. Okay, but it, it both games that both but you could are read it, which available for Wii U, and you could read it as it's playing in the same field or. They actually worked out a, a connection. I don't think it's a ladder, but he sure made it sound that way. But what's that's to his advantage. To do so, that. what they have is they're doing their own IP. So it's all the figures from Nintendo games. So Mario, well, sure. Luigi, all those. Plus things like the characters, the kind of like silhouette characters from their exercise games. So you got the woman in a yoga position is a character you can play in games. And a guy, guy working out too. Um, well, can, they they did that on. Did you ever play Super Mario Super Smash Brothers Brawl? That is the that is the premier game for this too. All these characters. Okay, well, if you played that, I mean, there was a secret was, character was who, was, who was Mister Game and Watch. So from the like one of their first oh, LLCD really? watches, and Luke did not understand why I busted a gut laughing <laughs> when this character pixelated. with that big Pac-Man kind of mouth, but the big bulbous no- nose was going bing 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 <laughs> awesome. across all these great you know great visuals, and then this two D black silhouette, <laughs> hilarious. So yeah. So the um, two things, two more things about this. Uh, the first is that uh, the characters apparently are going to grow in ability differently than they do in in uh, in infinity you level up but you don't really see any new powers or anything you get you get well that's being changed by 2.0 in this one you're actually going to grow abilities so your mario that's at level 50 will be different okay. than Mar- my uh, mario but, no, at level I'll tell 50. You, okay that's already in skylanders that's part okay. of swap force because as a result of of of, of guilt or actually of trying to sound more knowledgeable about it than Jason Salazar, I actually played the game, calling you out, Jason. I actually played the game. And so Swap Force has already been specking. Like, you can you can choose path, you choose your pathways, development pathways. For, your, uh, for, your, for right. your upgrade. Again, which is standard in role-playing, but not necessarily for children. Yeah, I don't think this that, – that's usually based on an experience level points that you would then allocate. I think this is based on what you actually do. So if you spend a lot of time running, you get better at running. That kind of thing. Well, that'd be good too. So, which I think is is actually more natural. But too. I know they had shown in 2.0 a demo of a respec. There's the picture ability. of the yoga woman there on the well, left. She, she's hot. Uh, and then, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and Metroid and Princess Metroid. Peach. Yeah, that's from Mike Rabel. Metro uh, Princess Peach uh, and Star Fox and Kirby and yeah. So they got a lot, they've got a lot of IP there and. Nintendo fanboys are just going to go nuts over this Mario Kart, Mario Party. What's the uh, Captain Toad? Captain Toad is a new new IP that it takes one of the Toad characters out of uh, out of the Mario stuff, yeah. and he's now uh, he's a hero who. Uh, I assume so, and and you will have to buy an ex- a portal that attaches to the 3DS. But, well, for, but that's nothing. that is one thing that it will work on the 3DS as well because you get the portal or you get it. I guess it's already built into the Wii 2. And maybe the Wii U 2? The Wii U 2, maybe. yeah. Okay. Um, 
But again, all those, uh, again, and it's not necessarily been a world that you've explored, but I've seen it because of my son, is actually Skylanders has, from the very beginning, had a portal that went into the 3DS. Uh, so they okay. they already did do that. I don't think Infinity was supporting the 3DS. No, I don't but, think so. Um, but that's okay, because there was just too many, there were too many levels to it. Because, you know, when you're playing with uh, Skylanders, it really is just the figure. So there's... But with, Infinity, you're stacking these discs and you're making all these calculations based on the, those powers. So yes, go the ahead. The two other things about the the Smash Brothers. So you can you can go in with your own me character mm-hmm. into Smash Brothers and be fighting as yourself. I think we could. They they, they were pushing this to something new because there are like three different three different types of fighter you can be that you can switch off back and forth in, in games. Is there the one that just puts his hands up in front of his face and says, please no, and cries? Because that would be... That was the macaw. That yeah. was the, the me-caw. The me-caw. <laughs> so the other thing is that, of course, you can you can use the amiibo characters in that same game. So you can play you can play against an amiibo character and you can play autonomously so you can play against him. Or you can have him fight alongside you as a, as a partner mm-hmm. against somebody else. Or you can just fill it up with uh, amiibo characters and have them just fight like some kind of fish tank where they're mm-hmm. they're not being controlled. They're just in there automatically fighting each other and they're building their skills at the same time. Hmm. So an interesting expansion. What I like about this is it pushes the game forward for all of them so they'll all have to get better. And this is why you don't want anyone to win. No, exactly. It, it, I, I, you, know, we, you and I were conversing a bit this morning about this kind of topic. Topic, I think, was it this morning or was it last night? I don't remember. Just about the open source, and again, yeah, open source. That I'm, I'm seeing this. I don't want any one control. I'm beginning to because I came out of this conference and one of the keynotes said, "Really, you should read Ready Player One." Some people think that that's not that great a book, but I, but the guy's point was whether you don't, whether you like it or not, or not, whether you think it's a good book or not. Yeah, the world it's describing is a very valid direction that we may be heading to. Have you to. read it? I'm reading it right now. Do you know who else has read it? The, uh, who? Goodson. Oh, oh yeah. No, no. He, he made some comment about that. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. I don't think he liked it as much. Yeah. He commented on my on my page today when I said it. Yeah, I just started it last night. It was on my stack anyway. So when I actually, uh, a student gave it to me last year. And, I was, yeah. and it's like, okay, this summer I'm just going to go through all these dang books that I've been dying to read forever. And um, so I'm more convinced than ever that what I want to see is co- competition but I'd like to see an open-level platform. This is why I'm not liking that you... Um, okay, you have a PS3, but I think but I think that, uh, Nate, right, you're an Xbox 360 player? Yep, I still have a 360. You know, so I don't like that that there is... There will lock people out so from, so from the, certain the features. the cross-platform stuff. I want this to be truly open, which is what Disney had claimed was going to happen, or right. implied to me with Infinity, and that's so what I got excited about, and the truth has fallen short, because, okay, you know, my son has a Wii U. All right. So, I, sorry, I, you know, am I a bad dad if I say, you can't play with my Hulk yet? You can play with it at Dad's house. You can't play with it, at you know, until it, you know, I'll get you the Hulk when it comes free, or whatever, or when I, you know, if I say for Christmas, here goes the 2.0, it won't, he won't wait for Christmas, uh, September, here's the 2.0, but yours doesn't come with Hulk. You know, I, I, that's, the forcing people into platforms yeah. bothers me. And I, and I know this is, I, I know that this is capitalism. I get it. I understand. It. I'm not against capitalism. I'm not a communist here, people. I'm just saying that the, that, that, 
the the eye candy it, it's too tempting and it's too well you're able you're able to resist a little bit yeah but not entirely right yeah and and it, economically it just makes sense to go out and buy double up on the starter kits for certainly i mean that's ridiculous the, well, it's you, had to. It's had to for us. It, it, it may, I mean, it, for you, it would be tripling up on those starter kits. Right, so, right, right. Ridic- you know? Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So I. It's just yeah. So I am just yeah. yeah. That, that's my that's my thing. Is is for us to move forward? There should be definitely different companies competing with hardware. Let's say, mm-hmm. but the software, the content should just be. Look, I'll pay. You know, if I'm on, don't make it exclusive to PSN, but make it on the PSN. I'm fine i down yeah. i'm happy to download stuff from the psn but i want you who prefers xbox one to be able to get that same content so that we can sit down and talk right. about did you see powers or what you're actually doing is i'm sorry hollywood or content providers you're encouraging the hackers to figure out a way to pirate it because even you know i've heard this about game of thrones is that hbo's lock on game of thrones that even the show creators have been like yeah we just want people to see it yeah, and then it's it's too hard to do. And now I don't want to go through Amazon. Should we talk about Amazon's jerk move with the Lego Movie this week? No, I didn't know about this. Okay, so you know, you know that they've been a, you know, sort of in a war with Hatchet, and I, which right. covers a lot of different. And there, imprints. there may be two sides in that. I'm sure there are. There are always two sides to the story. I'm willing to see this, but right. but it's but to me, it's down to the net the, neutrality. The authors thing. we hear talk about are always more eloquent than the VPs. Well, but I want to say this is along the lines of the net neutrality. If yeah. a company like Amazon is pretty much fifty percent all books sold, okay, so they or as are, Stephen as Stephen. Uh, Colbert puts it 60 books. Yes, okay. Uh, and I bought them all this week. And uh, they are holding, you know, this book company, it's monopoly tactics. They can say, and it is going to hurt, if they're 50% of all books sold, and fit, that tells me 50% of the people that buy books are going to Amazon, and you can't order a book or know about a book until it's actually been published, when these book publishers are, I don't care about the other side of the story on this because this is the truth of the matter. If they're depending on pre-order numbers to know how much they they should print, and having been involved with a couple of very very small publishers, I understand there are things that can live or die, projects that can live or die on on that. Yeah, they're going to take a risk on Stephen King, and God bless them, they should. You know, because Stephen King, he's going to sell. Joe Hill, he's going to sell. But the, the the guy who writes just as well, but nobody's heard of, right? He's not going to sell unless you know. Uh, and so they're pulling that with the Lego Movie. They're, Amazon is in is in talks with Warner Home Video. They're not liking it's it's protection. They're not liking what uh, Warner Home Video is paying them up up front to carry their products. So. They'll do the. We're digi- talking about the physical media version. Yeah, they'll exactly. That's the weird thing about it. They're perfectly happy with the digital download, which right. has been available for a couple of weeks of the Lego Movie, but you cannot pre-order the DVD or Blu-ray. Interesting. This is they'll notify you when it becomes available. But again, a lot of their sales, you know, for the not for the distributor, for the content provider. The sales are, you know, the, again that that those pre-orders, those numbers come in, and they go okay. A I mean, couple of things about that because Amazon has a policy where if you pre-order, you pre-order at the retail price, and you will get whatever the lowest price is between right. the time it ships right, and the right, time right, you right. ordered it. 
and they'll often end up having been in like automated price wars price matching with yeah. other services so it can get driven down quite a bit now, yeah. the average i've average, never benefited from that but yes. oh, i print i usually I get know. two or three dollars you, you order a lot more than i do through amazon so the and um, that's not a dig it's just you no, can you I, know? I i prefer to you know not have to think about it after i hear about it so <laughs> no, it's a great world you live in <laughs> the, um he's almost the one percent he's more like the, what are you? <laughs> I'm in the seven percent. Ah, maybe the seventeen percent. He's the seven percent solution. Okay. The uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. No, the oh, um, so they they have that. But with respect to when you're talking about the 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 small time authors, Amazon actually has a pretty good deal where you can if you are what would normally be a self-published style of author. But that's different. That you can get your you can at least get your ebook in there and and Well, that's get different. And there's that, that hilarious story. Have you heard about the Vampire Diaries creator? No. Okay, so the woman who wrote the Vampire Nate, do you know this story? I mean, you probably don't care about the Vampire no. Diaries, but this is an hilarious thing example of how whack if I may sound so street, how wacky the um, publishing industry and the IP industry is. So so the woman who created the Vampire Diaries, like, wrote the first trilogy uh, of, I guess they were young adult novels, like, back in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. So she started the series, and she wrote the trilogy. They sold nicely, but that was it. They stopped. You know, the publisher stopped. Um, then the CW or Warner Brothers really looks at it and create and decides they're going to develop this into a television series. So then the publisher, and I can't remember who the publisher is, but the publisher decides they want to start the series back up, as a series of novels, but not with the original creator because her contract allowed it. They use her name. Oh my god! As or I guess they publish it under a house, uh, you know, under a, a pseudonym name. like Carolyn Keene or Franklin yeah, yeah. W. Dixon. What Kenneth Robeson, and so Harper Collins was a publisher. Harper Collins. Okay, so she was she was locked out of continuing the story that she created, the concept that she created. But now she's writing vampire. They licensed it to Kindle Worlds, the fanfic for profit. Oh, nice. So she's writing the novels on Kindle Worlds as fanfic and awesome. selling it. Awesome. And, <laughs> And, of course, the fans are going to pick up on this. And, and, and they have. She's doing better than the actual HarperCollins awesome. books on, on ebook anyway. But that is so bizarre. The actual creator has to write it as fan fiction. <laughs> that is that is that is <laughs> Which terrific. the fans are treating as canon, of course. But it's just like we are living in a crazy, crazy yeah. time. Well, we've had there have been a, uh, e-books are e-books are a nice leveling thing. You had Scott uh, Scott, uh, what's his name, the guy who wrote. Uh, we we interviewed him at, at Baycon a couple of years ago. Scott uh, Sublet. No. no, no, not Bayo. Um, the guy who wrote the virus book, the, right. the podcaster, right, um, right. Scott Sublet, I think is no. He's the he's a. San Jose State professor. Oh, the one. Oh, oh, he teaches writing. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, I know who you mean because I yeah, see yeah. his quote. Because I see his 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 name. You know, he's doing pull quotes on all kinds of things. So he was he he had not gotten a publishing offer until mm-hmm. he got really big. He did did audio book versions of, of right. His he was stuff podcasting too. his novels, and then and then the book companies essentially came to him and said, "We want to publish you." And right. then you had the guy who wrote Wool, um, the Silo series, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually coming out as a comic now. Yeah, yeah, it's being that. done, 
And that's just been a runaway. And he was just nobody. He just started publishing these things. And so there is, and when you talk about independence and you talk about independence in software and, and the hope well, of I'm, I'm net hope- neutrality is that you don't need to have a big company behind you if you have talent and you express it properly. Well, I'm hoping so because I've just signed a book deal under a pseudonym and uh, just, you know, yeah. Independent Merrick self-publishing. Dukas. Merrick Dukas will be writing. Will be writing the adventures of a 17th century chambermaid. Uh, so who's a werewolf? <laughs> who's a werewolf? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, no, I it, and lives in a time of Frankenstein's. Right. Oh, that'd be. It seems that's a trope. It's time for the Frankenstein's it's called to come furry back. Maid. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe I gotta call my lawyer. Okay, uh, so the other thing, let's talk about actual television. Though there was casting that Vincent D'Onofrio has been announced as the kingpin for the Netflix Daredevil series. Mm-hmm. Now I like this. I think it's a great choice. I think it's a I great think choice. The only better choice would have been King Kong Bundy. I don't think that would have been a good choice. And I don't know if because you mentioned that on Facebook, and I don't know if you were serious about that. Yes, I'm absolutely serious about that. Okay. King Kong Bundy was in uh, that Mr. T movie. He's a great actor. Really? That's going to be your defense? He was in that Mr. T he movie? He was in that Mr. T What movie. Mr. T movie was that? The one where, he, the one where he has a heart Cab? of gold. Yeah. Um, was DC Cab the Mr. T movie? Uh, that that was a Mr. T. The Gary Busey and Mr. T and uh, Michael O'Keefe. That was pre-brain injury. That was well, maybe he was in Suburban Commando. I remember he was a he he was a mover. He was like a moving guy. You know, I've I've actually seen King Kong Bundy in a couple of movies where it's like, okay, he's a small part and that's fine. But I think the Kingpin needs to have there's that there's a psychological edge that D'Onofrio, when you looked at uh, an otherwise horrible movie, The Cell, from Tarzan oh, yeah. with the, yeah, yeah. you know he's the serial killer in that. He is. Spoiler! He's a no. It's it's known. He's in a coma <laughs> at the beginning, and Jennifer Lopez has to go into his brain, and he, which of course makes perfect sense, right? Um, the, travels travels through his dreamscape, and he is such a chameleon as an actor. And I know a lot of people said they were really irritated by him. And uh, you know, my 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 wife used to imitate him on Law and Order. You know, with that kind of the head tilt he would do, and she she was really irritated by that. But it was like. But no, that was like a, that was a bit for that character. That yeah. wasn't yeah. an acting. It wasn't like George Clooney who couldn't see help do but the shake his head all the time. Movies. You know, yeah, he's always something different. And and you know, you think about it. You go back and watch that first Men in Black when he's the bug. Geez, he's brilliant in that. That is a brilliant role. So and you know, again, I go to the cell and there's a couple other things. Oh, uh, Private, uh, he's in um, Full Metal Jacket. He's uh, the guy who yeah, I won't spoil. He's but he's in the first first half of. You know, I saw uh, that movie in the theater. Private once, Gomer and Pyle. I keep he's, on thinking. He's I Gomer need, oh, Pyle. I know, yeah, I yeah, yeah. So just, just, and he's an adventure. He's, Private Pyle. He Private Pyle, and he's and he's uh, Thor in Adventures in Babysitting. That's so, right. Yeah. You know, so that was his best role. Uh, he was good in that. He was really. That's an underrated film, but we're in television. Great poster. I love that movie. Oh, it was a good movie. And the other thing we announced is, of course, that uh, the BBC, and sorry, this is, you know, we're wrapping up, so I, I know I'm losing Nate's attention anyway. The BBC and BBC America announced that they're taking Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman and occasionally Stephen Moffat on a, on a nine-day world tour, 12-day world tour, because it's 12 doctors, uh, a 12-day world tour. Eight cities? Seven cities. Seven cities. Seven cities uh, across the world uh, in August. Uh, there's an article on Fanboy Planet. You can get the exact dates and, and some of the locations. Um, but 
it means in August they have not yet announced is there going to be a Doctor Who presence at Comic Con, and I can't imagine that they're not going to. But they said I can't imagine they might not want to. But the way they phrased it was it's the first time that both of them will be in America. So I suspect one or the other could When's go the show to Comic Con uh, at the end of at the end of August. I think it's uh, maybe August 23rd. Uh, the implication no, is... close enough. They could do a preview at Comic-Con. They could do a preview because uh, it starts July 23rd. They could do a preview and they could have one of them there. I suspect Jenna Louise Coleman, or she's just Jenna Coleman now. She started off as Jenna Louise and now she's Jenna. Um, I think she would be the one because Capaldi, uh, one, is still incredibly in demand. Like, you know, he's, I don't think they even started their BBC America, the Three Musketeers series in which he's Richelieu. No. I mean, it's all filmed, yeah. but I mean, he's already like this huge star in demand in in England, and you know, rumor was that he was actually you know very exhausted by the eight, eight month filming for the, for the Doctor. So, um, you know, we, we shall we shall see. And they say Stephen Moffat will show up when his when his uh, schedule uh, his schedule allows. But it's like you know what I've sat I, I've sat across from Moffat twice. I don't need Moffat because Moffat won't tell you a damn thing, and he'll and he'll and he'll just make a lie. And he'll he'll lie and he'll make you feel bad about asking the question. So I don't think anybody needs Moffat. He is not the best drum Who beater for Moffitt? his series. No, he's he's a talented writer, but I get it. He just doesn't want any spoilers, and it's he's an impossible interview. He's an he's impossible in front of fans. He's the impossible girl. Um, he should just, you know it's fine. We don't need him. We want to see Peter Capaldi. We want to see well, Jenna Coleman. Is he an impossible interview because people are asking him specifics about the story instead of just interviewing him? Well, the whole reason he's there is to talk about, you know, and, and you ask, like, well, what are some of the things that are you know, coming in the future? He goes, why should I tell you? And you go, all right, well, what about the rumor that Neil Gaiman's writing an episode? That would ruin the surprise, wouldn't it? You know, and he just won't. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it was, it was he wants a touchy-feely interview. He wants, like, what, what was your most emotional in, in, involvement in the last season that we've already watched? Watched, right. You know, you go, well, well the first time I sat down across him was when he had just been named producer. So uh-huh. it was still, like, a year in advance when he was, before he was going to, you know. So it was like, well, what's your approach going to be? I'm going to keep it a surprise, you know. I mean, uh-huh. it's just like he just didn't want to tell you. And, <laughs> and and every interview I've ever read with him. He, is, didn't, he didn't want to say, I'm going to write the most twisted time Tales that will wrap themselves around. Which I themselves. should say, by the way, the Five-ish Doctors is coming to home video, and that's a DVD totally worth owning uh-huh. uh, because they're Moffat playing with the action figures. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, plus, it's dang good. Like you know, so Peter Davidson should be writing and directing more comedies because he's that is that is the funny. scene where he's standing outside the the original theater <laughs> waiting for everybody. In the, you know, they moved to Cardiff. Uh, or what? Yeah, <laughs> or at the original studio. Ah. That's right. They moved to Cardiff, and then when John Barrowman is outed as being hetero with with three small children, right? <laughs> it's like no, 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 don't don't tell anybody. You know, it, it's great. So, all right, um, I've exhausted everything I can think of to talk about this week. We've there talked to is one item. Okay, oh. go ahead, Nate. This was released today. Oh, I missed it. Okay, go ahead. The second trailer for Sin City: A Dame to Kill for. Uh, oh, actually, I take that back. I saw that it released. I didn't get a chance to see it. What's your I review of the trailer? Oh, okay, so but that's out. It. It's on my computer screen. So when we're done, I'm going to press play. I did see uh, the first one last week, and uh, I f- finally, and I felt like uh, I think our reaction was, uh, 
Jason Salazar was next to me and said, we probably would have been a lot more excited about this like three or four years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, two things. I got yes. two quick things. One, uh, you had talked about it a long time ago. I just did a binge watching of it. True Detective. What a great series that was. Just um, from every, from the writing, from the staging, the cinematography, the acting, spot on beautiful stuff, twisty uh, plots, I mean, believable characters in real stiff no, competition. Well, I just mean, every great... episode is just like a what? Yeah, and the music, and I mean, there's just I didn't have a false note for me through the no, whole thing. And, and you can and you can listen to early episodes of of the Fanboy Planet podcast when Lon Lopez would taunt me like with Matthew McConaughey is going to be Captain America. I'm like, you're stealing my soul, you're killing my soul. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I watched True Detective and go, Matthew McConaughey is the greatest actor. He who just ever lived. he just created uh, uh, created entirely fleshed out character of of depth and uh, at one point impenetrable and the other point just so much depth to that and again and i've said it before i'll keep saying it till the guy dies is like out of cheers if you told me that woody harrelson would be one of the greatest actors of the 21st century i would not have believed you yeah and he's incredible in that series so thank you for mentioning it so we can put a link to buy the blu-ray on amazon uh and (laughs) well it's also available on demand now too okay good. so so if um, you don't need to own own the blu-ray but I'm going to buy the, buy the I kind of Blu-ray. feel like I have to buy the Blu-ray because I want to watch that series again. I want to watch the extras. I want to watch the second audio commentary on Because every week, you know, HBO does this, like, you know, stay tuned for the end of the episode for a special da 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 And I swear that's the only series I have ever watched every after the episode yeah. interview. Well, they're nice and short and to the point. But uh, they're great. Yeah. They're like, I, oh, I get, ah, it's a, it's a master class in storytelling. And I can't even imagine what they're going to do with the second season. I mean, it's an anthology like American Horror Story, but I, I just don't. I can't even go. How can you top it? It's like American Horror. When American Horror Story and I go, okay, second season will be just as good. That'll be fine. I, though I still haven't watched it, but you know, it's like that's fine. But True Detective that season was so like. Not only that, I wonder if they had to do the anthology because McConaughey and Harrelson didn't really want to come back and do it. I they, don't think you want them to come back. You want that series to end I guess, the way it I did. guess that's true. It is one of those things. I am left wanting more. But the resolution of that series... Just like any good striptease. Which I think was you know, actually like, stolen out of... Uh, I think that's the part that was stolen out of Top Ten was kind of the resolution that near the end. that The dialogue that the two of them have yeah. as they're summing up what it all meant was so inspiring. Yeah. And so, like, yes, you know evil will not win and it was just yeah i yeah. that that is one of the best series and, and if you put up like an emmy thing matthew mcconaughey versus peter dinklage right now yeah i don't know who should win an emmy for <laughs> this because you giggle but True. i'm seriously no. because peter dinklage my god in game of thrones you caught up on that it's just like yeah. and then i realized i i have a friend at work who is uh who is just now going through Game of Thrones? And he's like, "Oh, I hope that so and so doesn't die." And I'm like, <laughs> I, "I don't know. I gotta leave. I gotta leave the room." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when I realized, like, like last week, 
you end in a cliffhanger on one character, and then the next episode has nothing to do with that plot line at all, and it is still so engrossing. Oh, yeah. and I don't care. Oh, this the, well, the latest episode was, wall. was yeah, the, 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 wall. the battle, and that was just that was the only place they were. Yeah, no, I, I know. I and yeah. that's I was, you I'm, should read the book because that. No, I that, can't. I don't need to. No, no, you need to. No, that, I don't want to. Okay, <laughs> look, it, I'm trying to read Ready Player One. I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> Um, and that's at a seventh grade level. So just to, the, to <laughs> my other point was, and I meant to mention this last week, uh, the guy who does those Avengers movies, what's his name? Joss oh, Whedon. Joss Whedon, right. He makes these little films that come oh, out of nowhere and surprise week. the hell out of you. So In your eyes, is that what you well, want to did, about? Well, he did the Much Ado About Nothing. Yes. Just like shot it at his house over a couple of weeks. And he just did a film called In Your Eyes, which went direct to video. Uh, direct to Vimeo, um, where you can watch it for five bucks. For, you get it for seventy-two hours. Um, a terrific script, and it's just the perfect kind of thing for for him to do. It's basically the plot is two people who have a psychic bond, but they're they're like in different parts of the country. And growing up, they don't understand what's going on, so mm-hmm. they each have developmental problems and such going on, and then at one day it kind of clicks together and re- they realize what's going on. And so they start to have this long-distance psychic relationship and they can share each other's senses. So they can't, it's not psychic and they can't read each other's minds, but they, if one talks, the other one can hear it. How long before the porn parody? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but In your thighs. Okay, in your thighs. I, I'm sorry. Uh, but I just want to recommend this so wonderful, beautiful. Um, that was horrible to me, by the way. I don't know if I want to even leave that joke in. But they, yeah. <laughs> it, it must but, be left. All right, all right. You had to have looked, he had to look at this as, as a script and just said, this is this is so such a moving, uh, really a science fiction story with, with the ramifications of what's going on with these characters when they can do this. But... Like, there aren't really too many special effects in the film. There's, mm-hmm. like, this one kind of video overlay thing where they show what you're seeing in real life and what the other person is seeing over it a couple of times. But even that's not overused. Um, it's it's a it's a really a human story with a science fiction uh, twist that gets you into the characters that much more. So I really want to endorse that one as well. Um, so anytime you want to see it, you can you just log into Vimeo and uh, and it's a it's a perfect date night movie, guys. Because it's a ro- it's a romantic movie, and at the same time you've got a lot of science fiction elements and um, well well money well spent. And and you know what? If you're dating a woman who does not appreciate the science fiction elements, you're dating the wrong woman. Yeah, that's a true story. There it is. There I'm sorry, go. that's the truth. I have a quick PSA as well. Okay. Uh, it's either Friday through Sunday or Friday through Monday. People that have AT and T U verse will have free HBO yeah. for the weekend. All right, cool. So I'm going to be trying to catch up on HBO shows. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you do that, do you get the HBO on demand as well? Uh, that I don't know because you could just binge watch watch Game of Thrones. Then. At least on on. Uh uh, Comcast, you have. Yeah, you do, you, it does unlock that and allow you to do that. So. Yeah, you have to well, see the on-demand on the actual cable box doesn't always have everything that's on shows. the HBO right. on. Might just have this season. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, no, no. I understand that too. But yeah. Comcast has started really backlogging, which is it's good. I mean, you might as well. 
Um, all right, so I think we've we've just talked about so much, although, uh, uh, and I'm sure there'll be much more to talk about next week. <laughs> Fifteen minutes from now, it'll all break. Uh, it'll all break. Remember, we're podcasting on Wednesday, so anything that happens after five thirty on Wednesday night, not responsible for talking about until on this next week's week. Podcast, until next week, we're like John Oliver. Here we are. If it happens at eleven thirty, we will talk about it. All Let right. me do a quick headline search here and make sure nothing broke while we were talking. <laughs> you know, I did that on Bleeding Cool. I just made a quick little. Mm. Uh, they just added that uh, apparently they they've talked to developers saying uh, that you know I forgot about this. Disney could actually expand their uh, you know Infinity could include Indiana Jones and Willow and uh, oh yeah and, Willow and Studio Ghibli. Really? Yes, they have a, a possible. They're not saying they're doing it. Wow! But, so Nasca, but when you're Nausicaa, right, Nausicaa uh, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, Totoro, uh, Princess Mononoke, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, yeah. you capture a whole new demographic of fans. Wow. Uh, I'm just, I let's just start with that rumor. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we end here to say, of course, anything that you heard about, uh, you know. It, Let's just say this right. If you're listening to us, you may be listening to us on iTunes. You can find us there easily, of course. Please subscribe. Please rate us. Please tell your friends. Leave a note. You can leave a note. You can. Uh, you can also do that on the Stitcher app. You can also find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. You can also find our Facebook page for feedback there. And, uh, and our Twitter, which is at fanboy planet so we look forward to hearing from you if you have questions comments compliments criticisms whatever write in to editor at fanboy planet as dot com as well that's fine uh if you are th- hearing about some of the stuff we're talking about i know we i just ripped on amazon but here it is there's that reality that uh you know if you cannot go to a local Small business, and again, I'm including Barnes and Noble in that. They're getting smaller every day. I think uh, local business, local business. Uh, well, yeah, I still, you know, support us too. But you know, if you find it at your local business, but sometimes you can't. If you go, well, we have links to many of the, especially the obscure items uh, on the on the podcast page. If you go, you hear this like this is episode three fifty seven. Yep. Uh, so episode three fifty seven. There's a page that for just episode three fifty seven with with some illustrations, links to some of the products, and uh, a place for you to find it. So, uh, and if you find it at your local business, but you'd still like to help support Fanboy Planet because you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to donate on the PayPal link that is conveniently uh, located usually about the upper right hand side of every web page for Fanboy Planet website i am Derek mccaw from fanboy planet thanking john layman for being our special guest today as well and of course thanking the next guy who's going to speak for arranging for it as a nice surprise i'm Dave costa and i'm rick brettsnyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for, for good, good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you.
website. All right. I am Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. I'm Nate Costa, and if you're in the L.A. area, I'm still looking for work if you're a hiring manager. <laughs> and I'm Rick Preston. I don't, I don't want your stinking job. Hey. <laughs> you may be working against the purposes of the rest of us. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, and I'm reminding you, no. <laughs> to do what? Yeah, take that into account. What are you going to do? Use your powers no, 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 no. only for, for good. <laughs> okay. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only, only for good. good. That'll make a good outtake, by the way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Don't roll over your own clean take by saying that'll make before he's no i can clip, i can clip oh yeah I'm yeah sorry. you forgot who you were dealing with i forgot oh, nate you know nate is not in sync you want to do it again nate thanks to john layman for oh yeah we podcast. forgot to say that let's do the whole thing that uh, from uh, yeah let's i am Derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboy planet i would like to thank uh the I am Derek McCaw from Fanboy Planet, thanking John Lehman for being our special guest today as well, and of course thanking the next guy who's going to speak for arranging for it as a nice surprise. I'm Nate Costa. And I'm Rick Bretsnyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only, only for good. Oh, of course he doesn't say anything now. I know. Because <laughs> I was slowing down to make sure he wasn't tripping ahead of us. Uh, uh.